0: It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with...
1: Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, February 4th, 2013. It is so great to be here with you on this Super Bowl-free edition of the MMA Hour, joined in the back, as always, by Isaac New York-Rick and the returning Will the Thrill. I'm so excited for this show. We've got a jam-packed show, my friends. We're coming off one of the craziest UFCs in recent memory. Uh, Divisions were turned upside down. Upsets were had on Saturday night in Las Vegas. We will talk about that in the third hour with Mr. Rick. Now, a lot of you are concerned about how we will deal with the Rick's Picks Challenge. You may have heard... He did not have the best Saturday night, and, um, well, all I can say is, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll have to wait and see. Um, we'll hear from Mr. Rick and find out officially how he did on Saturday night with his Rick's Picks Challenge. We'll also talk about the card, and uh, we will talk about the card throughout the show as well because we want to hear from you. Your questions, comments, hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Also, you can leave questions on the uh, the website in the comment section below. If you're watching this live right now, and the best one, in honor, this is the only time I'll mention it, in honor of the Super Bowl yesterday, you may have heard that uh, John Jones's brother, Arthur Jones, had a good game. He recovered a fumble. And in honor of that, we will be giving out this championship edition John Jones Round 5 figurine. Best question asker of the day gets this. Okay, let me run down the the, the lineup here because we got a stack show in particular in the first hour. We're going to be joined uh, later on in the show by the... Uh, Bellator lightweight champion Mike Chandler, MFC president Mark Pavlich will also be stopping by for the first time. And if you've been complaining that some interviews have been too much about me on my show, unbelievable that some of the the content would be about me. I suggest you don't tune into the Mark Pavlich interview. That is all I will say. Uh, Phil Davis, the light heavyweight contender who faces Vinny Magalesh. On uh, April 27th, UFC 159, he'll be stopping by. Duke Rufus will be stopping by as well. Your questions, comments, and Melvin Manhoff, who I saw in Las Vegas on Saturday night after UFC 156. He is in Los Angeles now training with the Black Zillions. Um, Well, we'll find out why Melvin Manhoff was, was in Las Vegas and what he's doing with the Black Zillions. What am I talking about? With Black House. Black Zillions. They did not have a good night. Why is he training with Black House? We will find out in a matter of moments. But first, let us go to the phone lines. Do we have our guests there? Near York Rick? Yes? Okay, let's go to the phone lines and welcome in. The man who stole the headlines after Saturday night's Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar fight. Jose Aldo retained his his UFC featherweight championship. And then all of a sudden, a bombshell was dropped by Dana White at the post-fight press conference when he announced that this man, the man joining us on the line right now, texted him and said he wanted Jose Aldo next. He's joining us right now. His name is Anthony Pettis. Anthony, how are you? Anthony? I'm going to call him back. Hold on one second. Well, that is a good start. Um, Well, I just, oh, yeah, weird. Uh, I Excuse me. I just, uh, I ruined the reveal, but we're getting him right now. I think we have him. Give me the thumbs up when we have him. Do we have him? Anthony, are you there? What the heck is going on? I'm getting bad flashbacks here. All right, we're going to get Anthony in a second here. It's like we've gone back to the early 2012 era as we move out of this studio. Well, anyway, if you didn't hear the news, after the uh, the fight on Saturday, UFC 156, Jose Aldo retained his belt. He, uh, he beat Frankie Edgar. Two judges had it 49-46. One judge had it 48-47. And then at the press conference... Dana White shows up and says that Anthony Pettis texted him and said that he wants to drop down to 145 and fight Jose Aldo next. And a lot of people didn't see this coming, obviously because Anthony Pettis is the number one contender in the UFC lightweight division. And a lot of people think that he should be fighting Benson Henderson next. And, uh, of course, he has to wait to see what happens between Benson Henderson and Gilbert Melendez on April 20th. But regardless of what happens, it has been said he will fight the winner. All of a sudden, he's saying that he wants to fight Jose Aldo at 145. He hasn't fought at 145 in WC or UFC. So this you know, took a lot of people by surprise, and we wanted to talk to him about that. And then in a matter of moments after Anthony Pettis, we'll talk to his longtime coach, Duke Rufus of Rufus Sport, who had a very busy week, um, when was it, last week, in Chicago and also for the Bellator event when Ben Askren retained his title. He had Eric Koch on that card. Uh, also Anthony Pettis was on the card. Um, this weekend they had Chico Camus on the 156 card. We'll talk to Duke about what he thinks of Anthony fighting Jose Aldo um, for the UFC featherweight title, not the lightweight title. And it's interesting because a lot of people think these days that Jose Aldo should go up to 155. I saw him in, in Las Vegas all week long, and it looked like he was struggling with that weight cut. Um seemed very tired, lacked some energy, but then come fight night, once again, it's almost like we forgot how great Jose Aldo can be. He hasn't fought um, prior to Saturday in what, he hadn't fought almost 13 months since he knocked out Chad Mendez. And he just put on another great performance against Frankie Edgar. A close one. You have to feel bad for Frankie Edgar. Your heart goes out to him third straight fight that he loses and this has to be the first time that I can think of that a guy is stuck in a three fight losing streak yet he is still as popular if not more popular than than he was as champion his stock in my opinion hasn't gone down at all he's still you know as respected by the fans and the media as he ever was But you have to feel bad for him, particularly when you think about what happened in the second Benson Henderson fight. A lot of people thinking that he won that fight. And then in this one, while it was close, not as controversial, in my opinion, as maybe his Benson Henderson fights. We'll talk about what's next for Frankie Edgar when we take your your questions and comments. What is going on with Anthony? Do we have him or is there an issue with the phones or what? Someone tell me. Okay, so what, are the phones dead? Okay, does he have Skype? Okay, gotcha. Okay, I understand. All right, so we're going to get Anthony here in a second. I see them uh, connecting. And um, obviously the other big news coming out of UFC 156 was big. Hey, Anthony, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I'm sorry about all that. Uh, good to have you on the show. Let's get right into it. As I was getting all excited when I was uh, introducing you, you, you stole the headlines on Saturday when at the press conference, Dana White, and I'm not talking about the amazing red suit that you're wearing. We'll get to that uh, <laughs> later on, but Dana White says that you texted him and said you want to fight Anthony Pettis. Is this true? Not Anthony Pettis, Jose Aldo. Is this true?
2: Yeah, man. Um, I just, uh, I'm, I'm at the point in my career where uh, I want to I wanna fight the best in the world, and uh I mean, 145 was always an option for me. I just was doing good at 155. And, uh, you know, Eric Koch was down there, you know, tearing things up. And that's my teammate. So, I mean, I wouldn't say uh, I'm done at 55 or I, I mean, I, uh, 145 is a for sure drop. It's just, uh, you know, if it makes sense and, and they can keep me from having to wait for all these title shots, and I said, let's do it.
1: Was this something that you were thinking about before you saw him fight in person on Saturday or when you were watching him, you all of a sudden thought, wow, I want to fight this guy?
2: Um no I think it's something I've been thinking for a while. I mean uh, he's 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 on the top pound for pound list um and that's where I want to be at. I want to be you know the best fighter in the world. Uh, you know and in, in my weight classes or you know around my weight classes. So uh, I mean you could, the only way you can do that is to beat, to beat the guys that are there already.
1: Now are you able to make 145? Like do you think that's a good cut for you?
2: I don't think it'd be hard cut. I mean, I I only cut, like, two pounds, making 55, um, yeah. and I and I barely, I have a clean diet, but I mean, I barely cut any weight when it's time to, to get down to 55, so, I mean, if, if my teammate Eric Co can do it, I'm pretty sure I could.
1: So, what was Dana's uh, response when you said that you wanted to fight Aldo?
2: Uh, he didn't say anything back. I still haven't received a text message back. What? So, uh, I'm not sure if, nothing, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, it's something he doesn't want to see, or, I mean, from the press conference, it sounds like you know he's interested, but... I mean, you know, you know how that goes. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to say anything, um, and and then he gets sittin' away. Or, I mean, I'm sure it has to make sense for everybody.
1: So, are you surprised he didn't at least write you back and say, "Okay, thanks," or something? Because he he told the world about this. Are you surprised you didn't get a text back?
2: No, nah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, either he's he's waiting to shoot his words wisely and making sure, uh, you know, I don't, he doesn't he doesn't promise me something that doesn't happen again. Or, um, I mean, he did announce it, so I mean, it definitely crosses his mind.
1: So, would you rather? Let's say they said to you. Okay, you're gonna, you know, we'll give you the lightweight title shot. You just have to wait for the winner of Benson and Gill, and then wait for them to get ready. Or we'll book this fight right now. and Maybe you get that fight in four months, which would obviously be before Benson and Gill since they're fighting in three months. Would you rather do that?
2: Man, honestly, right now I don't know. I just I don't want to wait. Um, so and I know I know all just fought. I, I know I can make 45. I think uh, I think the world wants to see that fight. I mean, it's, it's you know fireworks written all over that one for sure. Um, but I mean, I still want I still want the 155 strap too. So uh, I'm, I'm throwing in between both. You know, I I uh, I think me and Benson have some unfinished business, and I think I, I'm I the guy that can beat Ben Anderson. Um, but I'm just tired of waiting, man. So I'm just I'm just stuck. You know, I hate being in these positions where I can't do anything. I can't fight. I can't take fights, and I just uh, I want to I want to keep going.
1: What happens if you fight Aldo and beat him and you're the champion? They're not gonna let you go back up to 155 and and hold two belts, right?
2: Uh, I don't know. Who knows, man? I mean, I, I know I can be, I can be Ben Henderson. I mean, he's a very good guy. I, I respect him. I respect all these guys. They all got great skills. But, I mean, I think, I think they need to, they need to book the fight that the world want to see. And I think they, the world wants to see both of these fights. And I'm, I'm excited to be part of either one.
1: What was the, uh, the, the response that you got from your fans, like on Twitter and whatnot, when this came out? Do you think they're more excited to see you fight Aldo or to see you wait and, and fight the winner of Gill versus Benson?
2: Honestly, it was like a little more mixed than I expected. I thought uh, I thought everybody wanted to see the uh, the Aldo fight. You know, he's he's a dominant champion. Um, he, he looks good doing it. And uh, but it was mixed. I mean, I a lot of people on Twitter saying, you know, I want to see Ben Henderson or its too.
1: Um, you know,
2: some some people wanted to see the Aldo fight, but uh, I think that's why they both make great fights. I mean, people want to see both of them.
1: Can I give you my opinion?
2: Yeah, I love to hear. it.
1: I really want to see you fight Benson again. I think it's such a great fight it's such an easy sell you show the 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 showtime kick over and over again you beat him so there's a history there of course if Gil wins you know you're you're still a contender and I don't want to lose that fight so I am torn as well but when I first heard the news I was very excited about wow Pettis versus Aldo this sounds incredible but now I kind of want to see you stick around and see what you could do at 155 because I think you could possibly be the best at 155
2: yeah. I mean I, I agree man. I feel I feel like uh I feel like uh, I I've been even after the loss of Guido, I still said though know, on my Twitter and I'm the best lightweight fighter in the world and I still firmly believe that. Um but, but like I said earlier, man, I just I'm looking for the big fights. I mean I think both of these fights are big and it's kinda of just up to the UFC to pick pick which one they want me to be part of.
1: What did you think of Aldo's performance? You were there, you watched it, what did you think of what he did on Saturday?
2: I'm always impressed with Aldo. Um, Frankie Edgar is tough as they come, and I mean, he only gets better. in the, you know, the, the ending rounds, um, I think we've seen him in the Homnick fight that you know Aldo kind of dies out in the in, in ending rounds. You know, fourth, fifth round you know, is not his, you know, his strong point. But I mean, he's always dangerous. So uh, you know, I was definitely, I'm always impressed with the guy. He's got a lot, tons of skill. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a fact to be calling him out because I've seen some holes in his game, or I thought, oh, I could, you know, expose him here, here, expose him here. I just, he's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world, and I want to be on that list.
1: Between Aldo Benson Gill, who do you think is the toughest opponent?
2: Um, tough to call. I mean, considering the weight cut, you know, to the one forty five. Um, I, I don't know how I feel down there. I, I've never fought at one forty five. Um, I'm a small one fifty five er. So, it's uh it's if it comes down to skill, I would say I would say, I would say Aldo man. Aldo's one of them guys that just he's good everywhere and he he looks dominant doing it. I mean, he he just beat the the one fifty five champ that that B, BJ Penton. He didn't look, he didn't look, he didn't look
1: bad doing it. You know, you know, it's interesting. You have been frustrated because, you know, you were promised a title shot essentially twice and it, it didn't materialize. And then on Saturday when this came out and everyone was very excited, Ricardo Lamas, who beat your friend Eric Koch uh, two Saturdays ago, said, what am I, Mirage? Essentially feeling like he was getting looked, looked past and, and, and kind of ignored. Do you feel for a guy like that? Because now you may go down and, and take away his title shot.
2: Man, I feel for him, bro. But um, like you said, I I was I was in the same position twice. I mean I was I was there, I was the next guy in line and you know, they, they just it all depends on who, who the UFC wants to see fight. And that's what it's all about. Who can I think if he can tell the tickets, you can tell the pay per views and, and who who do the fans want to see fight. Um well no disrespect to Lamas. He dude's very good. I mean he beat my teammate Eric Koch and I have I, I think super highly of Eric Koch, one of the best well fighters on our team. So I mean, Lamas is right up there also, but like I said, I think it's just at the end of the day, it comes down to what the fans want to see and what the UFC thinks makes sense.
1: Side note: How is Eric feeling?
2: Honestly, uh, we haven't talked much. He went back to Iowa for a little bit, so um, he's back home visiting his family. Um, we had a couple text messages. Um, he seems he seems motivated. I mean, you got to af- after a loss, you got to come back, you know, ten times stronger. Um, I know this because I've, I've been there twice. Right. And uh, I think uh, I think we're gonna see the best Eric
1: Coke his next fight. By the way, were you maybe a little more motivated to fight Jose after you saw him jump off the cage? Was he trying to copy you and send the message, or, or what?
2: No, I mean, it's just, he's just that kind of a fighter. I yeah. mean, you put two of them kind of fighters in the same cage, he's just unpredictable. I mean, he can do it. He, I mean, he's a top-level soccer player, a great great athlete. So, uh, I mean, and so much. So, I think, uh, I think that's why some of the fans want to see that fight also. I mean, you never, you're not going to know what you're going to see in that fight.
1: And he has flirted with going up to 155. Would you try to campaign for that, or do you want to fight for a belt?
2: I want to fight for a belt, man. That's 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 intriguing part for me. I mean, it's a, it's another belt, and uh, I I don't think the weight cut would be impossible. I think it's something I can pretty easily do. So uh, I mean, the belts what what's intriguing me in that, and uh, I mean, who knows who knows what happens. I mean, if this thing doesn't come through, he comes to 155. Yeah, I mean, definitely want to fight him, but. I'm looking. I'm looking at these these right
1: now. So uh, let's just clear it up. Like, let's say Dana White or Sean Shelby or Joe Silva calls you right now, Anthony. What do you want to do? We'll give you this title shot if you want it, or you can wait to see what happens in April. What are you choosing?
2: Man, right now, like it's it's so fresh and brand new that I just I'm trying to put Twitter her to get to the both these belts. I mean, they say <laughs> uh, you can fight Jose Aldo in three months, and and then you get this winner of of, of Henderson Gilbert, and I'm signing contract there.
1: But what if you can't choose both? I mean, you, you you may not be able to have the cake in either, right? Well
2: see, I mean that's 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 up to the man. I'm not gonna make any decisions or close any doors until I mean they they decide uh they decide what they want to see. So I mean I, I put my I put my opinion out there. I'm I'm up for either one and uh I guess it's just what will make sense for you guys now. But uh I think like I said, both both fights are very entertaining. I mean, me and Aldo that sounds good and me and Henderson sounds good as well. So I'm um, just I just I was just at the point of Tired of waiting, man. I'm just tired of, of getting passed up. And who knows what happens in the lightweight fight? Um, you know, who knows what injuries are going to occur, right? And and how long that's going to take.
1: And then the other tricky thing is, you know, again, if you fight him next and you, and you beat him, are you okay with you know a, a bunch of fights coming up at 145? Is that a life that you want to you know is that a life you want to live?
2: Yeah, that's exactly that's the exact thing. I mean, I gotta I gotta I gotta sit back and look at all the options. I mean, once once they come forward and tell me something, because honestly, mm-hmm. I, I don't know anything. I can I can look at my options and, and see what happens. I mean, I'm at I'm 155. I'm, I'm comfortable, man. I still am the number one contender. I'm right there, so I'm, it's not a fact. That if I'm trying to drop weight, I'm trying to you know cut down because it's an easy weight to a belt or anything like that. It's just I, I want to fight. I'm just I just want to fight a year off. you know, and this is all I do. So I mean, a year off just just motivates you. And, I, and this year, I just I want to make this
1: my year. By the way, who are you picking, Benson or Gill?
2: I hope Ben. I mean, uh. I think ben. Ben's a tough guy. I mean, like I said, I got all the respect in the world for the guy. He's a, uh, he trained hard. Um seen him out in Vegas, you know, he's out there rolling around. He's a he's a true champ, man. So I'm I'm thinking Ben.
1: And uh here's the most important question of them all. Where did you get that amazing red suit that you were wearing on Saturday?
2: <laughs> man, actually I was I was going to uh the store with my daughter and uh I was with my little bro. He's like, Man, I bet you want to rock that red suit right there. It was kind of a joke at first, I'm like I'm like, watch, now watch me do it, and I think I pulled
1: it off pretty good. It looked incredible. I mean, with all due respect, it looked incredible, and you had the the, the red shoes as well, right? And I'm colorblind, I noticed yeah, these I'll things. Go-
2: that was a that was a I still page out of your book, man. I was like, Well, what area of wanna wear with
1: the suit? <laughs> well, it was very impressive and I was impressed with your call out as well. I'm very curious to see how this all unfolds. Uh, you know, kudos to you for calling out the champ and and, and now I, I wanna but Dana White should text you. I mean the least he could do is text you to acknowledge the Yeah, the, I mean
2: I I was expecting something back, but I mean like I said, I think uh, I think he's a. Uh, he has to make sure whatever he says is official at the time, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, he's, he knows what i little upset with what happened
1: in the past. Right, so keep us posted, let us know how it goes, and uh, good luck with whatever path you choose to take.
2: Thank you, man, I appreciate it.
1: All right, there he is, Anthony Showtime Pettis, saying that he wants to fight Jose Aldo. want to get your take on this. Let us know what you think. Um, hit us up using the hashtag Hour. Let us know in the comments below. What would you rather see Anthony Pettis do next? Do you want to see him fight Jose Aldo for the featherweight title? You want to see him fight the winner of Benson Henderson versus Gil Melendez? I told him straight up. When I first heard this, I was wow, Pettis Aldo. That sounds amazing. That that that, that sounds like an unbelievable fight. But then I thought about it, and to me, you know, along with DC Kane, which I know you all get pissed off when I bring it up, Pettis versus Benson is one of the top two, top three fights that I want to see in 2013. And I'm not taking anything away from Gil. If he wins fair and square. More power to him. But I'm just saying, on paper, you ask me, what fights do I want to see? Benson, Pettis, two. That fight at WEC 53, in my opinion, was one of the greatest fights I've ever seen live. I had the privilege and honor to see that live, the last WEC fight in, in Arizona, and it was unbelievable, highlighted by the Showtime kick. If they could put that together, it would be great. So I'm kind of torn. Aldo, to me, I've said it on this show, He's probably at the top of the list of guys who I would pay top money to see. If I'm just a fan, you tell me, who do you want to see? Who do you want to pay to watch? Aldo's there. By the way, Showtime is there too. I mean, I, I think the world of Anthony Pettis, I think he is one of the most exciting fighters in the world, and uh, he is what MMA is all about, in my opinion. So what a predicament, but it's a good one. It's an interesting one. I just am afraid that we're seeing too many guys moving up and down, getting title shots in a division. I, I like seeing guys climb the ladder, I like seeing guys work towards a goal and then achieving it, and then you see what happens. So you kind of feel for a guy like Ricardo Lamas. You would feel for a guy like the Korean Zombie, who has been out, and and then it leaves a big hole at 155. Who does the winner of Benson Gill get? So it creates some problems, but it also creates some excitement. Very interesting to see. Let us know what you think in the comments below.
3: <clears throat>
1: Apologies for the uh, the technical issues. Do we have it squared away? What do you think? Yeah? All right. Isaac gave me the uh the nod. In a minute, we should be joined by Phil Mr. Wonderful Davis. Do we have him, Eric? No. Um, We're being connected right now. Okay. In a minute, we'll be uh we'll be joined by Phil Mr. Wonderful Davis, who, as I said, faces Vinny Magalesh on April 27th, UFC 159. And if you're if you're sort of following our My man Alizo sending me a, a tweet of Anthony Pettis rocking the red suit with the white belt, the white shirt. I mean, he just looked like he looked like a featherweight contender. So if you're following uh our schedule, you might have noticed that we skipped over Duke Rufus, who is Anthony's coach. We'll talk to him about this this fight, but he has now been moved to two o'clock. So just to not push everyone back due to the technical issues and whatnot to start the show, Um, he will be joining us at around 2 o'clock Eastern time, so stick around for Duke Rufus, the head, the brains behind Rufus Sport. If you are a fan of the social media tool Twitter, you might have realized that uh, our next guest, and his future opponent have been going back and forth on Twitter for quite some time, and I guess you can say Vinny got what he wanted because he is fighting Phil in April in New Jersey, UFC 159, and we're being joined by Phil Davis right now. Phil, how are you? I'm
4: good. I'm good. How are you,
1: Ariel? I'm doing great. I heard you had a very exciting Super Bowl party last night.
4: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I had a pretty pretty good Super Bowl party. Pretty good Super Bowl party, yeah.
1: How, how about yours? I, mine was you know, it was it wasn't as exciting as yours I would imagine. It was nice I was with my family and friends, but you were with some really important people, right?
4: Um not not the Super Bowl. I oh. uh uh I, I was actually watching uh, Saturday night's uh, festivities with uh with some friends uh up uh up in Alpine. I was uh I was hanging out with uh uh and uh it was pretty cool stuff, man.
1: Pretty cool stuff. Why were you watching a, a UFC fight with a congressman? Which congressman? Congressman in in which state? In in California.
4: Congressman in California. Whoa. The Great state of California, yes. might I add. The Golden State. Um, I uh, what was that?
1: It's the Golden State, California. Yeah,
4: exactly. The Golden State. Um. uh I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I should name him, but uh. Okay. Yeah, we had a great time. We just. Not not even talking shop, just uh just you know enjoying the fights and uh you know i i think he was kind of sort of into fights and now he's uh, a big time fan so
3: wow.
4: uh I had no real reason to be there other than <laughs> just watching fights and now uh you know we' got a, another m m a fan who was uh you know just a casual fan now he's uh, he's pretty hardcore and i'm pretty sure he's gonna be joining me in uh in New jersey Wow. So, uh Maybe maybe you'll find out then, first hand.
1: In your corner? Will he be in your corner? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I'll see if that could happen. So, not only would you have him in your corner, you probably get some Secret Service as well, so you can kind of, you know, beat the system and get more than three guys in your corner.
4: You know what? That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> if, you know what? The guys who, who walk you out... Um, they're just, they're just, you know, the event staff. But if I had like some serious Secret Service walking me out, you, you couldn't even touch me on the walkout. out. Oh, yeah. You, you could get shot for that.
1: I know. That's why I said, I said it's smart. And by the uh, way, I, I, I didn't mean to blow up your spot there. I didn't know this was like a an actual secret rendezvous. So apologies. <laughs>
4: whoa, 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 whoa! Congressman, secret rendezvous? <laughs> will be, whoa, whoa! I don't know where you headed with that.
1: <laughs> all right. It wasn't,
4: it wasn't like that area.
1: All right, all right.
4: <laughs> it wasn't
5: like that.
1: I was told that you were watching uh, the Super Bowl with these Im- important people, but at least I got part of the story right. You were watching uh, UFC 156 on Saturday. And by the way, before we get to your, your fight coming up, I, I got to ask, since you, know, you have some history, what did you think of the, uh, the Noguera-Rashad fight? Were you as surprised at how that turned out as, as most of us here?
4: Well, you know what? Um, kind of, sort of. Um, we I talked about it with some uh, some friends at the gym and I I, al- I already know Noguera has great wrestling uh defense. I I knew this. And whenever I had trouble taking him down, people just assumed it was my wrestling that sucked and not his defense that was good. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Which is fine, yeah. but uh uh you know, apparently uh it's not it's not the wrestling. It, it it's him. He's freaking tough.
1: Yeah. But but um it seemed like Dana said to me after the fight that was more about what Rashad didn't do than what Noguera did. Do you agree?
4: Um, yes and no. Nogera did keep it in, uh, in a boxing range the whole time, and he was delivering pretty good kicks to the body, which became really annoying for Rashad as time went on. You know, he... I, I think he definitely missed some opportunities to, to score big points and, and really uh, uh, initiate his game plan. But uh, I, I won't take anything away from Noguera. He he kept the fight exactly where he was comfortable, and, uh, and he, he won.
1: So now you get this fight, moving on to you, uh, against Vinny Magalish. And, and it was a weird one because... You know, you guys were going back and forth on Twitter, and to me, it seemed as I as I tweeted last week when the fight was announced. You know, hey, if you wanna if you wanna learn something from Vinny here, you know, basically, if you annoy someone long enough, you'll get what you want. Where did this come from? Why did he continue to almost Twitter bomb you to the point that he actually got what he wanted?
4: Hey, don't ask me. Uh, uh, he this guy. Uh, here's here's my thing. It's one thing if you want to call a guy out. That's fine. I don't really call people out. not what I do. But if that's what you do, cool. No problem. You know? But after my buddy Forrest Griffin got hurt at 155, he called me out when I was still in Brazil. I just got done fighting. I'm still in the arena, and he tweets, tweets that he wants to fight me next. That's cool. That's that's That's, that's really cool. All right? Um, I'm actually kind of amazed. I always want to be at a level where guys call me out. You know, it's kind of weird that I've reached that point where people are like, oh, I want to fight this guy. I thought it was a nobody. And here, he proved me wrong by calling me out. That's awesome. Now, if you have the opportunity to fight me, you can't back down after you already have agreed. You know, you started calling me out. It's, It's just silly. The guy doesn't really be silly. It's annoying. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. So what 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 are you saying? That they offered him th-
4: I'm saying he backed out of they offered him a fight at one fifty five. Right. Uh co main event against me and he turned it down.
1: Why? What was the reason you were told?
4: You have you would have to you would have to ask Finney on that. Okay. He you know, I don't wanna start quoting his excuses because, you know, this is only a an, an hour long com you know, show <laughs> right. and uh, you know, we just don't have time for that. But uh you know, first he said he was overweight, then he said I didn't want to give him uh a full fight camp and if he had a real fight camp and he would beat me and blah 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 You know, you forfeit your rights to all these things once you start calling a guy out. Right. You know what I mean? Chel Take Chel Sunning for example. Whether you love the guy or hate the guy, if he calls you out, he will fight you on a week's notice. That's that's who he is. That's Chel Sunning. Right. Um, then he, he ain't that
1: guy. I don't know who he is. So, so he turns down the fight. Why did he end up getting the fight? And four months later?
4: Uh, um, I, uh, I had some other things I had to do. I actually went on a, a mission trip in, in, uh, January to, uh, the Dominican Republic to, uh, help build a hospital. Wow. And, uh, just be, uh, uh, just, uh, help out with uh, a lot of things going on down there. And, uh, I refused to uh turn down that trip after I had already paid and people are counting on me to be there to to fight Vinny for I mean, it's it's obvious he's he's uh whatever, I'm not gonna get into that. But yeah, I, I had already some things, some plans going on. And uh some other family things I had going on that stopped me from fighting, um I think he wanted to fight in like February or something. So yeah. No, that wasn't what
1: happened. You know, the, the light heavyweight division, I just had to uh, submit my, my rankings, the, the often-talked-about rankings, and it's a very stacked division, as it has been for a while. Uh, I have you in the top five. Um, Vinny is not a top five fighter. He hasn't you know, been in the UFC in his second go-around long enough, hasn't fought top competitors, and et cetera, et cetera. Do you view him to be on your level? Do you think he is as good? Does he deserve to be fighting Phil Davis?
4: Um, you know, um, if I say simply he's not on my level, he doesn't deserve to be fighting me, I feel like that sounds worse than it actually is, and almost sounds like I'm talking about his character as a person rather than his fighting skills. So I'm going to word it a little differently and okay. say, uh, what he's done in the UFC, which is one win, and uh, I guess we can count his old. Two losses um doesn't really warrant him a fight with uh with me, but you know you know it's fine you know i don't listen, I don't do matchmaking that's entirely up to Joe Silva, Joe Silva's a genius um i'm going to let him I'm just going to go with what he what he says i don't I don't question him man knows what he's doing
1: does this fight get you excited? I mean it seems like there's some bad blood there, but are are you up for this fight?
4: I'm up for every fight. And uh my my only thing is that, um, I hope the evening of April twenty seventh, uh, when he gets back to his hotel room, I hope he doesn't say to himself, What did I do this for? Why did I call this man out? This doesn't make any sense. Why did I do this? I could have fought I could have fought somebody that wasn't top ten. I could have fought somebody that wasn't top five. I could have fought somebody that doesn't, you know, yeah, somebody that you know I could have beaten and, you know, came home a winner without two black eyes and a bruised ego. Why did I why did I call this guy out? Hope he doesn't say that. But uh, you know, it's looking like he will.
1: Did uh did you see his, his return fight to the UFC against Igor Pukrajec?
4: His return fight against Igor Pukray I actually didn't. I heard a little bit about it. Um well, go ahead. Tell me about it. You, you, you give me your, your
1: take on it. Well, you know, he, he, he obviously looked a lot better than he did when he first fought in the UFC. Made it to the finals of the Ultimate Fighter, as you may recall. Uh, didn't have a great run there. Went out, did some good things, and won and whatnot. And, and he looked a lot better. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Looked a lot better and won via submission. So it was impressive. I think Igor is, you know, I don't know, top 25 in, in the UFC light heavyweight division. Um, you know, still, uh, I think there are questions about striking and we all know about his ground game and whatnot. I think this is an interesting matchup because of his submissions and your wrestling, and I'm I'm curious to see where the fight ends up. But I wanted to get your take on if you thought he had improved since his first run in the UFC. Uh, let well,
4: see. You have to understand a couple of things. Um, I don't just sit around and watch fights. I watch... Uh, I watch my – it's just so many fights. I watch my my friends. I watch my teammates, my my, my training partners. And sometimes the breather I get from watching fights is, uh, you know, not watching everybody else. And uh, he's definitely one of the guys I just wouldn't have watched. Are you familiar? Um, Go ahead, sir. I I definitely – I definitely did not watch his fight.
1: Are you familiar with the term... But, uh, uh, I
4: suppose between now. Sorry. Between now and April 27th. I'll, I'll check it out at some point.
1: Yeah, I think you should. I think it would be a valuable uh, viewing for you. But are you familiar with like internet trolls and whatnot? And if so, do you think that Vinny is one?
4: <laughs> he definitely is one. I mean, uh, I mean, it, it, it's... Uh I just I just hope he gets everything he hoped and dreamed this fight would be. Um they get to be uh, on the big stage but uh you know it's not going to be as fun as he thinks it's going to be.
1: So you know that sometimes like he may just be trying to get a reaction out of you that he may not truly you know feel what he what he says or writes and things like that, right? You you can recognize that. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure because it, well, te- sure. it seemed like on Twitter it was getting a little personal. I don't know. You 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 handled it very well, though. I must say.
4: Oh, um, you know, I when fans say fans a lot doesn't have to say whatever they want because at the end of the day, it's understood two things. I am a fan. I have an opinion, and no matter good or bad or indifferent, I'm a fan. Fighters you 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 should probably keep your opinions to yourself unless unless you want to fight and and he's gonna to have to live up to some of the some of the opinions that he shared
1: mm-hmm.
4: and uh yeah that that may not be uh as cool as uh as some of the internet bloggers get to make out
1: and 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 by the way where do you i know you said you don't really pay attention to the rankings and whatnot but where do you kind of view yourself right now um because you know, like I said, I still have you. The light heavyweight division is totally out of whack because, like, you look at the Rashad situation, right? You know, Rashad beat you. Yeah, you beat yeah. Nogueira, I mean, you beat Alexander Gustafson. He beat Shogun. I mean, it's 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 like a it's like a weird Bermuda Triangle. So how far away do you think you are back from fighting, you know, maybe a number one contender fight? Well, uh,
4: the way it, it seems to be, I just need to call out the right person after a good performance. Right. So uh I mean I, I I can't be too far. And uh I I don't really I don't really know, but uh um uh that's an interesting question. I, I don't really uh, think about that too much. But uh I I I like that top 5. That'll work for me.
1: Do you think you're above Alex? People, I always get uh, criticized because I have you above Alex because you beat Alex, but it was a long time ago. Uh It was a different Alex. Do you think that that should still stand, or do you think what he has done uh, against, like let's say, you know, Shogun, Tago Silva's fighting Musasi? You know, how long does a win last? In other words, you know what I'm saying?
5: Right,
4: sure. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things like the BCS if yeah. you lose early and then you do good and you come back then it's almost like that loss didn't happen but if you yep. win 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 and then lose at the end of the season well then you know, you drop down to the end
1: I totally agree um, So
4: it, it's it's um um I, I don't know I don't know it, it to say oh well that's not the same Alex, they beat. I 100% agree with you. I didn't beat Alex. That beat Shogun and beat uh, uh, the last couple of guys. But then again, that's assuming that I'm the same person. Am I? I've gotten a lot better since then too. So.
1: And and both of you are fighting in the same month in in April. Is it 100% that you won't fight again?
4: Yeah. Is it 100%? Well, oh, I think maybe we will fight again. Uh, but, but if we do. I it, it just makes no sense to fight uh unless we're gonna fight for a belt. Uh-huh. Um it 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 doesn't, uh to me. You know, a lot of people say, Well what if it's for a number one contender fight? Well, it doesn't make sense to he's my he's my teammate now, he's my training partner and if I'm going to lose a training partner, we've both agreed we'll lose it for a belt. Well hey, we're we're not gonna trade because we 'cause we're gonna fight for the belt. That's perfectly okay to people with both of us. Right. You know, but uh, to throw away uh, you—you know—a good—a good training partner and uh, and uh, all that just to, just for another fight. It, there's plenty of people out there for us to both fight.
1: By the way, last thing before I let you go, uh, just looking at your Twitter, how awesome was that uh, that GoDaddy commercial with Bar kissing that kid? Awesome, right? Oh man, wasn't awesome. it great? Didn't just it, war- was. it warmed my I'm heart kind of jealous? I was like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> It makes you think it's that everything dreams do come true. <laughs> oh yeah. Much like I was pretty <laughs> much like Vinny's dream came true of fighting you. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh Phil, I appreciate you coming on, talking about it, and uh I'm looking forward to it. It's shaping up to be a great card in Newark uh coming up in April, April 27th, Chelsea Sonnen versus John Jones is the main event. Your fight versus Vinny much anticipated. Also Roy Nelson versus Czech Congo, a bunch of fights announced over the past week. I'm sure we'll talk to you closer to the fight as well, but I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us a bit of a preview here of what's to come in April.
4: Thank you, thank you. And uh you're welcome. I will uh, hopefully be, uh, be back on soon to talking about another fight.
1: <laughs> All right, thanks for the time, Phil. Yeah, thank you. There he is. Phil, Mr. Wonderful Davis, talking about his fight against Vinny Magalesh, the internet troll. And I, I, I called him out on this. I said, hey, much props to you. Nothing wrong with it. You got what you wanted. There's no way this fight would have been booked had he not said what he said and continued to bomb him. I give him props. I'm not saying this in a negative way. Don't get me wrong. I see a lot of you writing to Vinny and trying to, again, do what you internet people do. I'm just telling it like it is here. Vinny was not in the running to fight a, someone, you know, a guy like Phil Davis. And you know, this should be a lesson. You want to fight? Go out. Call out the guy. And there's a very good chance with everyone getting excited these days on social media, you will get the fight. All right, let's move along now and welcome in uh, a guy who had an amazing fight just a couple of weeks ago. He is the Bellator lightweight champion. He is on top of the world these days. He is Mike Chandler, and he joins us. Right here, right now, Mike. How are you?
6: I am good. Ariel, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. By the way, how do you feel about all of this? Uh, you know, do you feel in this day and age, like Phil just said, if you want to fight, you need to go out and and call someone out. I know as champion, it's a little different, but is that what MMA has turned into? You have to just kind of be your own matchmaker.
6: Uh, you know, I I think it is unfortunately going towards that direction. But man, I I uh, I just don't feel right, or I wouldn't be able to. You know, live with you know going out there and and calling people out. I don't like I don't like to say a negative thing about anybody. My opponents, nobody. I don't care how bad how badly I or how much I don't like you or or whatnot. But I, uh, I'm definitely not a talker. Um, You know, I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. But I mean, I I don't agree with it that much, and I just hope Phil, you know, Phil's my my training partner. I hope Phil goes out there and smashes Vinny and on
1: to the next one. So. As champion, though, it's kind of assumed you don't really have to worry about that. So that's another perk, right, of being champion. You can kind of just sit back and let people take shots at you.
6: Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, I just let them bounce off. And, uh, you know, I I mean, I just try to keep the main thing the main thing. My main thing is, is getting my butt in the gym and getting better. And I let my, you know, luckily I have great management. And, uh, you know, I let them, you know, handle that stuff with Bellator and, and matchmakers and all that kind of stuff. I just – uh like I said, sit back and, and wait for the next guy to step into the cage and, and uh, hopefully go out and put on a good performance.
1: Speaking of good performances, uh, obviously on the first Bellator on, on Spike TV show, I thought you looked amazing, um, defeating Rick Hahn, submission, all that stuff. Were you happy with your performance? Anything that you did in there, you walked away and, and, and that left you unhappy?
6: Uh, you know, not really. I mean, when you, when you, when you get the opportunity to go on that kind of platform, I mean, I don't know what the official number was, but I know it peaked at over a million. I mean, to be able to go out there and, and get that kind of exposure and be able to fight on that platform was just great. Um, and to get a dominant win and another finish, you know, under my belt, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think Han was—he was a little bit harder to fight on the feet than I wanted. I—he he was kind of—I felt like I was chasing him around a little bit, and, if, and when you're chasing somebody around, you can't get that range. And I've worked a ton on my boxing and kickboxing and 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 that kind of stuff at Alliance over the last almost a year now. So I've really improved my striking, but I wasn't really able to show it that much because he wasn't coming forward as as much as I would like have liked him to. But. Um, at the end of the day, man, my favorite thing in, in MMA is picking people up, putting them down, and beating them up on the ground. So I was able to do that, and you know we got the finish.
4: So it was good.
1: Did you feel like you know the 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 pressure of you know being the first main event? Spike, this has been talked about for a year, all that stuff. You know, It seemed like there was a lot of buzz, and of course the ratings ended up being very good, the best ever for Bellator. Did you feel like you had to do something emphatic, spectacular in that fight? And if so, were you feeling that pressure the day of the fight, a couple of days out?
6: Uh, you know, I don't know if, if, it's, if it's right that I didn't. Or if, you know, if I should have, but I didn't feel any pressure, man. My, the, every single fight's the biggest fight of my life, and um, it doesn't matter if I'm fighting in a shoebox in Alaska or if I'm fighting uh, on Spike TV in front of millions. I, I, I train the same, and I step into the cage with that same mentality that I'm prepared. I made the right decisions to get here, and I know that I'm going to go out there and perform because I deserve to, to, to win. You know, I make the right decisions. I surround myself with the, the best people possible, and, uh, you know, I try to be the best person I can. So when you have that kind of confidence going into a fight like that, um, you know, you don't— you don't take anything any different you know i i know if i focus on the test and if i focus on myself my game plan and going out there and winning that you know i'm going to do a, uh, i'm going to do great things in that cage that night and in turn it's going to do great things for Bellator for Spike TV for you know uh for the fans and, and for my friends and family and training partners so um you know i didn't feel any added pressure which is a good thing you know pressure pressure you know kills people uh these days so i uh, i just try to keep it light keep it keep knowing that, you know, I've done everything I possibly can to go into that cage and perform well. So, uh, I kind of keep that mentality, keep things light. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad I, you know, went out there, and got a dominant win and, you know, on to the next one.
1: How closely are you following this, uh, Eddie Alvarez saga? Uh,
6: zero. Uh, you know, I, I, and, you know, I'm always going to have to talk about Eddie because of what we did, you know, at that fight last year. But I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I have not followed it, man. I've, I've, I've just I've just just been enjoying the win um, and kind of sitting back and, and waiting to hear what's next.
1: So, you don't hear about the numbers being thrown around for him, and that doesn't get you fired up. You don't you don't hear about any of that.
6: Oh no, yeah, I saw that. I mean, I, I think I read an article with the numbers, and man, that's great. You know, people uh, people deserve to get paid these days, I guess so you don't
1: don't sit there and compare your numbers to his and if your numbers are lower that doesn't bother you
6: oh no I mean not really man I've I've only been in the sport for three years I uh, like I said you know keeping the main thing the main thing and that's getting better eddie has been in the sport for almost a decade he's beat a lot of better names than I have he's uh, you know he's he's paid his dues and you know I uh, I beat him on a on a Thursday night last year or 2011, and, and it was, uh, you know, it was a great fight, but, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that I'm, I'm still a newcomer. Um, man, but I, you know, like I said, I got all the confidence in the world that whoever I step in the cage with around the whole world that I'm going to go out there and win, but you know, I, no, no sense in staying up at night and, and worrying about my, my, uh, my wallet compared to other people's because at the end of the day, when you do things right, it's going to continue to keep growing and, and you will be successful and you will, you know, make that money eventually. So I just kind of worried about training and getting better right now.
1: And by the way, just because I'm, I'm weird like that, it was actually on a Saturday night, not a Thursday night. No. Yeah, it, it, was. Was. it was. Oh, it
4: was a Saturday. Dang right.
6: it. <clears throat> hey, hey, good, hey, good job. You knew, you knew better than I did. Was... I thought it was a Thursday, but we switched to Thursdays this this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, same night as uh, the infamous or the, the famous oh, Hendo Shogun the, fight. The greatest, the, the, the greatest night in MMA history.
6: The greatest night, the self-proclaimed greatest yes. night in, in MMA
1: history. Two fights of the decade on the same night—it was unbelievable. Yeah. Do you do you, do you yeah. get people now that it's you know that Spike is airing it? Do you get some people coming up to you and almost like living the fight for the first time?
6: Um, I, I guess a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that Bellator three hundred and sixty—that one where yeah. I was, you know kind of broke it down a little bit. Man, people love that because, and I even you know to be able to see the fight on a, on TV on a big screen in HD. Um, is obviously a lot better than, you know, the MTV too. But, you know, it it was definitely got a a, a ton of, you know, response from the fans and that kind of stuff. So it was was great. You know, it's almost like it almost happened again. And, you know, people, you know, are just now seeing me for the first time, unfortunately, sometimes. But, um, you know, it's cool.
1: Are you hoping he comes back to Bellator so you can maybe, you know, emphatically beat him and, you know, there could be some questions whether, you know, the second time around he beats you. Like, is that something you're hoping for?
6: Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, I, I, I'm probably one of the worst interviews you're ever gonna have, man. Cause whenever you ask me about that kind of stuff, I'm just I'm just focused on whatever happens, man. I'm I'm just getting better. I mean, I can tell you one thing right now: if I stepped in the cage with Alvarez again, I I would definitely beat him and, and beat him in a lot dominant fashion. That's how hard I've trained over the last year since that fight and how much I've matured as a mixed martial artist. But, um, you know, it, whatever happens, happens, man. He's he, uh he deserves every good thing that comes to him he he's he he fights hard and wh- whatever happens whether he stays or he goes or he does whatever it's not going to affect me much um I guess it will because I might end up fighting him but you know at the end of the day I just want to step in the cage with whoever and uh fight and, and put on a great show for the fans
1: and, and and by the way, one of the big things to come out of the uh the, the the first um uh court appearance from a couple of weeks ago i know you say you don't follow it but I'm just wondering. The the Bellator lawyers said that there have been talks of you versus Eddie to headline a pay per view in March. Was that ever brought up to you? Because that seems to be a point uh, of contention here.
6: Uh, yeah. I mean, I I haven't heard anything um, from anybody, whether my my management or Bellator or whatnot. You know, like I said, I I stay out of it and let my managers, you know, fight that battle and, and they do it very very well. But I haven't I haven't talked to anybody about that kind of stuff. So, um, you know. Like I said, who, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? What's being said? What's going on? Um, but I, I haven't heard anything of the
1: sort. So if they're not talking about that, and I know there's a there's a, a lightweight tournament final coming up, Marcin Held and Dave Jansen. When do you think you'll be able to? Because there there are no more super fights, right? So you have to wait for the winner of that fight and then fight them probably later this year. When do you think you'll fight again?
6: Uh, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm. I'm 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 healthy, man. I'm healthy and, and hungry, and I'm I'm ready to get back out there and, and fight on Spike TV in front of the fans again. So I, I'm hoping I'm hoping you know they're fighting what March March something something. Yep. Um. So I'll I'd, I'd like to be able to fight April May. Um. And get back out there and 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 I'd like to see you know I don't really care who it is, but I'd like to see Jansen win that just because I'd like to have a win over someone else rather than you know the same guy. It doesn't really do you much good to fight the same guy twice. Sure. Um. But you know we'll see but that's that's who i'm focused on i mean obviously bellator's format is the the tournament champion gets a shot at the title um and uh you know that that's that's pretty standard issue with with bellator now so that's that's who i'm focused on that's who i'm planning on fighting next and that's all i've heard so far um is that's who who i will be fighting because they're one of those guys are going to win the tournament
1: held has looked really good since you beat him he hasn't lost and had some nice finishes do you feel like he's a different fighter or do you think that he would present nothing new if you fought him again
6: uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't say anything to, to be disrespectful about him, but yeah, I mean, he he looks pretty much the same standard issue, roll, roll around, try and grab a leg and rip it off, <laughs> you know, type of guy, so, uh, no, you know, still, still hasn't really thrown much with the hands he just loves to roll around and, uh, you know, almost broke my leg last time we fought, but, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't tap, I was willing to let it break, but luckily it didn't, um, just got out, out of it with a couple little tweaks and a little bit of, uh... Uh, you know, sh- swelling in the knee and that kind of stuff, and then fought Lloyd Woodard a couple weeks later. But, um, you know, this time, you know, if we, if we fought again, I, I'd obviously continue working with my, my grappling coach, Neil Melanchthon, and uh, work a lot with leg locks and, uh, you know, stop those and, and hopefully finish them again.
1: What's the biggest difference for you now that you fight on Spike TV a lot more people? I mean, you had that one fight um, just a couple of weeks ago. Is there a difference in, you know, the life of Mike Chandler fighter on Spike TV as opposed to MTV2?
6: Uh, you know, I mean, not, not a ton. I mean, you know, the standard issue, more, more friends on Facebook, more Twitter followers and, and, you know, a couple more interviews, but other than that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's still, you know, still a lot of the same, but I mean, when, when you look at the numbers, um, you know, over a million views and that kind of stuff, I mean, a lot of people watched a ton of people watched a ton of people saw me and, and, you know, luckily I was able to go out and put on a dominant performance and, and hopefully, you know some things and, and spark some people's interest and, and just kinda gain some momentum and, and it's kinda like a uh a little bit of a you know, I got a little bit of a taste of of, you know, that big, big platform and man, I just you know, if I could fight tomorrow, whoever on hmm. Fight T V man, I would I would love to jump in the cage again and, and do it again, man. It's just, I'm ready to do it. Um so like I said, hopefully Marcine Hell Dave Jansen happens March seventh. Um, And I get to fight one of those guys April, May, uh, June at the latest, and then another fight in the fall, and I will successfully get three fights in this year and three wins, hopefully, in 2013, 13-0. You
1: you know what I really like about MMA these days? And I was talking to someone about this when I saw, um, after I saw Anthony Pettis at UFC 156. He had that really awesome red suit, the red shoes, just good style. And I feel like the younger guys coming in now, like yourself, like the Roy McDonalds of the world, the, the T-shirts and, and the, the way you present yourself in public, the way you dress, how you you, know, you act professionally, like in this interview and when you see you in person, it's all it's very different from a couple of years ago. Is that important to yeah. you? I mean, I always see you wearing nice suits and things like that. You're always very clean, clean cut, and all that stuff. Is that is that is that a big deal for you? Is this something that you thought about as you were climbing the ladder? If you get to the top, this is what you're going to portray. Yeah.
6: Well, when when I get to the top. No, it's but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, man, where, you know, it is great because I want to be, I mean, there's, there. it's important to me to win belts. It's important to me to, to win fights. It's important to me uh, to make money and, and be able to provide for my family that I'm going to have someday. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's more important to be, become the best man I possibly can be, especially being able to be put on a platform like this. And, and it's just a blessing and opportunity to wake up every day and do what I love, which is, you know. Train and, and fight, and, and I've been given just an awesome opportunity. And you know, this sport started with a, you know, a bunch, you know, no rules, and, and in a cage with 400 pound guys fighting 150 pound guys, and guys, you know, bouncing at bars, and then stepping into the cage, and all that kind of stuff. And now I think it's, 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 you know, slowly making that transition toward. Man, these guys aren't just, you know, brawlers. They're not mean guys. They're not. You know, punks, cussing, spit, and fighting, man. They're they're good athletes. They come from, you know, a lot of them have college degrees. If you if you look up the, the amount of guys who have college degrees who come from sports uh, in college and all that kind of stuff, man, we're we're uh, you know, a, a pretty good uh, kind of almost clean cut, uh, you know, version of athletes. And and you see more and more of that these days, and you can see it, you know, uh, on as the out, on the outward appearance with the nice hair and the and the, the suits and that kind of stuff. But I mean, even when you can listen to these guys' interviews, it's not a lot of them, you know, aren't talking about going out and just, you know, killing people. They're talking about going out there and doing good things and, and fighting and, and, you know, and really, you know, serving a greater purpose. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to do. And, you know, I'm just hoping that I can continue to, to keep that, um, kind of platform and keep that, you know, to keep that mentality, you know, no matter how big I get, I plan on becoming the best lightweight in the world. And, um, I have no doubt that I'm going to be able to do that. If I continue on this road that I'm on and hope I can be a, a great ambassador for the sport.
1: You can't drop a nugget like you just did on this show and expect me not to, to follow up. You said, you corrected me, you said, when I get to the top. What, what did you mean by that, Mike? Well, you said if. You said if. Did so I, I? No, because I, 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 to... I was putting you in your shoes a couple of years ago, and, and, but yeah. it made me think that you don't feel like you're at the top right now. Am I wrong?
6: Well, I mean, it just you know, I'm not considered the number one lightweight in the world, right. um, and I and I have I just have so much more. Man, I just I want to I want to exceed people's expectations so much and wow them because when, when you're given an opportunity to uh, do things, I mean, we're all given an opportunity. I'm given an opportunity to fight right now, and and I can do do with it what I choose. I can make the right decisions. I can surround myself with the best people possible, and I can become the best man I could possibly be, and you know, make it to the top and do something great, and in turn you know, inspire people to go out and do things that they want to do and do great things. So that's that's my goal. But, you know, I'm not considered number one lightweight in the world yet. I am not considered uh, you know, I'm not on that pound for pound list. I'm not, you know, you know, where I need to be yet and, and you know, where I'm going. So I'm I'm just excited to just keep fighting, um, keep wowing people. I mean obviously the spike T V thing has, has been huge for me. Um, so I can't
1: wait to get out there and do it again. Can you reach that in Bellator?
6: Hey, you know, I, I, uh, who knows what the future holds, man. Bellator is doing some great things. When you look at, when you, look at you know the, the reach that they have on Spike, when you look at uh, the partnership with Viacom, you look at what um, the higher-ups of, of Bellator are doing, man. They're doing some great things. And uh, like I said, it's not my, not my job to worry about all that. I've got all my trust and my faith in Dave Martin and Randall Allman and Martin Advisor Group, greatest manager in the world. And I just sit back and train my butt off, do the right things, and, and uh, let it come
1: they are building an impressive stable and they are they are great guys so i echo uh, those sentiments as well i am just wondering you know w- you know we used to have this with with strike force with wc where guys would say i just want to say to people they say what do you do for a living mma fighter what oh you know ufc things like that do you have do you have those conversations a lot where you have to sort of explain yourself instead of just being able to say i'm a ufc fighter uh
6: you know i, I mean i think it it still happens obviously um, you know people still Call the sport UFC, but I mean, when you look at when you when you look at what we're finally making that that transition. The, the Spike things have been been going on for a year now, and now we're finally on Spike, and and people are. It's really easy to turn it to, to the Spike channel and, and see MMA all the time now with Bellator. So um it's gonna continue to 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 grow, and and you know, and like I said, it's up to the fighters as well too. I mean, it's it's up to guys being ambassadors of the sport and saying, hey, you know what, I'm proud of this sport. I want to educate people. I don't want people to think that, that I, you know, am go, going out there and I, you know, I don't take this sport seriously. I want people to know that I train and bust my butt hours and hours a day and I make the right decisions and I don't, uh, you know, and I don't go out and do things and I do make certain decisions and I do take care of myself and I take this sport just as serious as a, as a, you know, a neurosurgeon takes his, his, uh, his occupation. So, um, it's up to us and it's, and it's up, up to us to kind of spread awareness and continue to, grow the sport because at the end of the day when the sport grows you know we grow and and that's great
1: for us well mike i think you are an amazing ambassador for our sport so well spoken such a true professional uh perform amazing in the cage as well you're undefeated great performance back in january cannot wait for your next fight always great to talk to you good luck in your next fight i'm sure we'll talk to you before then but uh want to wish you the best and appreciate you stopping by
6: absolutely man i appreciate the opportunity and uh Definitely look forward to coming on again. Uh, let me know whenever whenever you want to make it
1: happen. Our pleasure. Thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Ariel. See you. There he is, the Bell Tour lightweight champion, Mike Chandler, stopping by. Um, I see a lot of you writing on Twitter how you've become fans of Mike Chandler all of a sudden. A really great guy and a guy who may not get the attention that he deserves. In the rankings, pound for pound, et cetera, I certainly have him in my top ten. Um, I think he's a guy who who deserves all that attention and then some. It's it's the issue that you're always going to have when there's competition out there, especially, you know, Beltor is so young, um, and it's the issue that guys like Benson Henderson, I will never forget Josh Thompson sitting at a Strikeforce press conference and essentially calling out Benson Henderson out of the blue, out of the blue, because he didn't think that he deserved the attention that he was getting because he was fighting in, in WC and he was the champion over there. And I think that guys like mike chandler can continue i mean mike chandler if you look at what's going on in belta right now they just had their their lightweight um the first round of their lightweight tournament will brooks looking good there was some you know fun fights um but he can he can be undefeated for a very long time especially if eddie doesn't come back where does he go from there and can he get the attention that he deserves we'll find out great stuff from mike chandler okay let's move along now welcome in our next guest we spoke to anthony pettis Earlier on the show, let's talk to the man behind Anthony Pettis, the brains behind Showtime. Duke Rufus joins us right now in the MMA Hour. Duke, how are you?
7: Oh, I'm great, but I'm not the brains behind him. He he he's a very intelligent man. He's uh, he he's, I just help out here and there. The kid's got it, so I'm just a, a humble uh, staff member with Anthony. He's he's a great leader himself.
1: Well. That's why we like you so much because you are a humble leader and we appreciate uh, you stopping by. He was on the show, he stole the headlines. I'm sure you heard about it. You were in Las Vegas uh, texting Dana White and saying that he wants to fight Jose Aldo next. He wants to go from 155 to 145. Are you in favor of this idea?
7: Um, I am, and I am in some aspects, it's just all timing. Mean, I mean, I think Anthony wants to fight although I he wants to fight the winner of uh. Bendo and Melendez, I mean, uh, right now the mindset that we've had, he fought last uh, week, and he was in the gym already Wednesday. He's training just in case one of those guys get injured. He's very hungry right now. Uh, that shoulder injury kind of with a serious fire under him to get some things accomplished. He's just coming to age, He just turned 26. I see him going from a young man to a grown man. He's very focused. And his goal was to be the greatest of all time. Um, You know, his performance against Cerrone showed that. His performance against uh, Joe Lozan showed that. Um, He's a very smart kid who's going in there and not taking a lot of damage. And he just wants to fight as often as possible and make a legacy for himself. Beyond just uh, trying to earn an income for his family, he really is committed to being the best he can be.
1: But is this, is this the smart move? Because it seems to me like he worked his way back up to, to number one contendership, right? And Benson is about to fight Gil. I think Benson versus Pettis, as I said earlier in the show, is one of the most intriguing fights that the UFC can put together this year because how great that first fight was because he beat Benson Henderson. Is this the smart move right now to switch things up, cut the weight, go down to 145 when, when you, know, you don't know how you're going to perform at a new weight class?
7: Definitely. I mean, um, I, I think he's really spooked, for sure, about uh, having a repeat of a few years ago. Uh-huh. I, mean, uh, I remember watching the fight on New Year's Eve uh, going, wow, we got us a big title fight coming up with uh, Frankie Edgar, and, and the tables are turned. And uh, in this business, nothing is for sure. Um, here, here's the thing. Who, who knows when an Aldo fight could be booked? Who knows when he's ready to fight? But at the same time, um, you know, Ben Henderson hasn't been in a hurry to fight Anthony Pettis. If he wins the fight, when when is the fight going to happen? I mean, that's the other thing, too. A lot of the guys who are fighting title fights aren't exactly fighting as often as they used to. So it, it comes down to him wanting to fight while he's in the zone, in his groove. He, wants, he just wants to get out there and do his thing. You know, I mean, definitely, I, I think he'd be changing it up obviously the eye on the lightweight prize, but I think this is something If the lightweight prize doesn't come right away. He'll go after uh, Aldo.
1: So do you think Benson is ducking Anthony?
7: No, I don't say that. It's just uh, timing and, and things like that. I mean, um, you know, he did make some comments in Japan. Well, Pettis needs to do this. Pettis needs to do that. Well, you know, if I got embarrassed on TV with a, with a, with a highlight real move, the first fight I'd won is that one. I mean, this type of guy, I am. I lost to a guy in 1999. I came out of retirement, and I had our promoter here in Milwaukee fly his ass here to Milwaukee so I could beat him. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 just a very competitive natured guy like that. I can't speak for him, but I just know I know that's how Anthony is. I know a lot of guys. I mean, if if that were the case, I mean, and you know, I think it'd be one thing. You lose to certain guys, but title fights and the strap and things like that. I mean, I think ben Benson's awesome. Um, it's going to be an epic fight, and, it, it, and again, it makes sense to have Gilbert fight him at this time because we're unifying the strike force title right. with the UFC title, which is for the greater good of our sport. Actually, you know, anytime we have these unification bouts, it's you know, it really puts. Connects the dots in our industry. Um, we'll you see. I mean, he, again, there's the injuries. Is there a close decision? Do does someone want to rematch right away? I mean, uh, you know, it's just hard these days. I mean, anything and everything could happen. So I think Anthony's just looking to fight and uh, you know be, be phenomenal. You know, he just wants to get out there and do his thing. I think he matches up quite well with. Although Anthony's got a weird uh, body. He's um, not a huge 155-er, but he's kind of a tweener. His last three fights, he hasn't really even gone to the sauna. The cut his nutrition, is on point, His strength and conditioning. We just do a light workout in the morning to make weight the last three fights that, that uh, we've fought. Uh, he's very disciplined on that side of his, his career. You know, He's very on top of his nutrition when he's training and, and leading up the fights. Did you
1: know that, sorry to interrupt, did you know that he was going to ask Dana for this fight?
7: No, but um, I I, I support him 101%. If Anthony thinks he can do it, he'll do it. I mean, that's just the type of uh, man he is. Um, So if that's his dream and passion, I'll follow him there. If it means we're going to fight for the lightweight title, that's his dream and passion, and it's meant to be. You know, I'm 101% supporter of him. I mean, it's to me I like coaching. I've kind of taken myself out of the, the big manager role. I'd rather focus on what I do best. I'm the brick and mortar guy in the gym in the trenches. Um we got a great management team with Mike Roberts and, and Jeff Meyer at MMA. Um they they they'll they'll at the end make the dubious distinction of what's right, what's wrong. Me my job is to prepare Anthony. With our our staff or coaches, get him ready and uh... support him. You no, know, I mean I, I'm for it, but you know, at the end of the day, until the the contract is signed, I'm not gonna overfocus my energies on it until uh, we have a about agreement on who he's fighting. More than anything, and he, you know, like I said, he was back in the gym already Wednesday. He's uh... very focused on becoming the best Anthony Pettis.
1: You know, obviously, as his coach, you, you may have a different perspective. So I'm wondering. Which fight you like best for Anthony next? Jose Aldo, uh, Gilbert Melendez, or Benson um, Henderson?
7: Uh, Henderson. Why? He beat him already. I mean, um, you know, as a coach coming into the fight, I know some things, especially in the striking side of it. I mean, uh, I knew uh, this is going to sound very arrogant. I knew that Donald Caroni was an easy fight for us. Stylistically, stand-up-wise, I I can take apart guys just because no disrespect to other people. I'm blessed. I've trained with some of the best masters on the planet in Muay Thai and kickboxing and boxing. The way my mind works, um, we can dissect people. And, um, you know, I knew that Anthony was going to do just what he did to Cerrone. And the game plan that Anthony did the first time uh, it was an easy game plan that worked. Um, obviously, Benson's improved on some things, but uh, I've been watching him closely, and, and I know the capabilities. You know, the other side that Anthony is doing, obviously working wrestling more. Ben Askren's bringing in some high-level guys for him, to some good 55ers. We're going to get some guys to help him out more. Obviously, Jiu-Jitsu brother Daniel and Diego Marías. I mean. I, I, I don't see Benson trying to kickbox with him by any means. But, uh, you know, I, I like that fight a lot. And it, 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 I knew in the fight, watch, watch the fight again, round five. Hmm. Anthony did an Ali shuffle, and Benson tripped over his own feet. And, and he's like, Anthony his number, and Ben knows that. And it's just some people have certain people's numbers in the fight game, uh, and uh, Anthony has Ben's
1: number. I do agree with that. I, I do believe that that it happens. Mike Brown, Uriah Faber comes to mind. It just, yeah. you know, Frankie Edgar, BJ Penn, those things happen in the fight game. Yeah. I mean, you just got me really excited. To, to I, I, I didn't think I could be more excited to watch Benson Pettis, too. You just got me even more excited. Now, on the same card as Benson defeating Don Cerrone, Eric Koch, another one of your, your fighters, uh, had a tough night. How is he feeling? I asked Anthony about him. He didn't know. Uh, I'm sure you do know. H- how is Eric Koch feeling less than two weeks later?
7: He's better. I mean, emotionally, it's just picking up pieces. Uh, You know, it it was probably the toughest night of coaching for me. I'm not taking winning and losing. I'm taking love and concern for people you really care about. Um, I had to leave Eric in the cage, bleeding, hurt. So I had to run back and get Anthony last second, and walk back out with Anthony. You know, um, it's, it was really hard. I mean, it's, uh, it it was one of the more emotionally trying experiences of coaching. I mean, we just had a bunch of fights in January, and I'm kind of taking the day to just kind of absorb the whole emotional roller coaster I've been on. I it, it was very. I'm very close with with Eric Anthony. Uh, a lot of guys I coach, and you know, I had to be—I, I, I, you know, it's hard to talk about. So please, excuse me, stammering. No I had to leave Eric there he's in the cage, bleeding. You know, I even—you know—I I had to go. Ben and come on, buddy. He was watching him. I could tell he was kind of tripped out. You know, but we had to run back get Anthony ready. But then at the same time, I had to be like a father figure. Go back and you know. Anthony asking, hey, is there correct? Yeah, yeah, he's fine. You know, that's a bold case lie, I had to say, in a situation to keep him focused on his task. I didn't want him slipping out of focus for the care and love of his teammate. It was hard after Anthony came back and did the interview with you. um, I had to uh, go. They needed me to sign the consent form to – have Eric go get checked out of the hospital. I remember walking out with him arm in arm, and I haven't cried after a fight in years. And we both, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, you know, it just wasn't his night. And, you know, um, no excuses. Uh, you know, Lamas was the best guy in that night. Eric's just going to regroup. It's one of those things. Uh, uh, just sometimes losing, it's like medicine. No one likes taking it, but uh, it's what makes you better. And uh, don't be bitter, be better. Just, you know, I don't coach from results. I coach from potential. I know the potential that Eric has. It's just we didn't reach his his goal this time. I, I, I'm, I'm in it for the long run with Eric. I see his potential. It's just he's got to reach his goal next time, perform. You know, When he performs up to his capabilities, phenomenal. It's just uh, regroup, help him get to his goal. That's what... That's the thing about coaching, you know, I'm, I'm, you just got to go back, figure out, pick up the pieces, and, and help them accomplish their goal. It, it, it's um, To me, if you really care about your fighters, it's one of the, emo- the um, most emotionally taxing things in life. And uh, losing as a coach is way harder than losing as a fighter for me, honestly. Because I, I take uh, responsibility when a fighter loses. I feel like I'm the one who made the mistakes, so it's um, you know it, it can be tough at times. And that was, I mean, it, actually, if you ever see the movie um, Platoon, when they leave Elias on the battlefield, they're flying away in the helicopter. Sure. Yeah, that's how I that's... felt. But in Chicago, like, and, and it was still a night of mixed emotions. Pascal Krause came out there, reinvented himself, and did such a great job and the, we go to the ultimate low of Eric and then the ultimate high of um Anthony uh de- destroying Soroni. It, it, it definitely was tough
1: when you, you were know, it's, uh, when you were in his corner when you were in uh, uh Pettis's corner and it was a short fight was it hard for you to focus were you still thinking about Eric uh
7: once we got out there no and I'm I'm going to tell you I uh, you know, Donald said uh, everything was just a, a talk-up for both Anthony and I. And, you know, he, he really attacked Anthony's character. Mm-hmm. So once we got out there, it, there, it was, uh, I told someone else, I said it was kind of like the movie The Patriot. You know, I remember when the dude's uh, son died and he mm-hmm. just wanted blood. That's how I felt. I just wanted Anthony to slay that kid so bad. It doesn't help me definitely get the W back, but I just, you know, it's that uh, raw emotion inside that you want to see the next guy go down and go down hard because uh, I just lost my kid, you know? I mean, it's just, maybe I'm overthinking it, but I, I'm I'm very emotionally attached to the fighters I train. How can't you be, though? We we go through the highs and lows day in, day out. Um, we travel on the road. We, you know, we... A lot of times I see these guys two to three times a day, five to six days a week. I mean, you can't help but to be close to them. Right. But you know Anthony is very focused. Or you know that's uh, one thing too. Right now Anthony is a little bit more dangerous. I think the last couple of years Anthony is, uh, you know, he's been a popular fighter. He's been around the scene a lot more. I think Anthony's trying to withdraw a little bit more from the scene and focus on being the Anthony that got him to the dance. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't re- don't realize Anthony grew up in a really bad neighborhood, um, in some some harsh situations. The guy like Cerrone trying to crap talk him is not scaring Anthony. You know, I mean, he grew up with, with with guys in the hood every day trying to intimidate him, so he's not going to be intimidated. And um, all Donald did was get Anthony. Um, Even up more to whip his ass, which you saw he did. I mean, you know, and and taking no disrespect to Donald, I think he's a hell of a fighter, hell of a kickboxer. It's just, um, that's just how good Anthony Pettis is.
1: You know, the the stuff that he does, like jumping off the cage and whatnot, and we've seen some of your other fighters do that. How do you guys sit around and come up with that stuff? And and in particular, when to use it at the right time? Because it's never wasted, it always seems effective. And why isn't anyone else doing this?
7: Well, we saw uh, Aldo did it the other night. Yes, that
1: is true. And I asked Anthony if he felt like he was stealing his moves. But, yeah, you're right. Aldo did do it.
7: You're going to see more people doing it. I mean, I saw on some a YouTube link of the Overing doing the knee off the cage. I've seen the Santos doing the kick. Um, we actually have about 10 other moves that we work. Uh, you know, one, we just work a lot of fundamentals. Once a week, I try and do one practice. It's a fun practice where uh, we just go outside the box. Now, these guys, at the end of the day, are still the kids that started training when they're young. So I like that one day a week where we play, and it makes it fun. I mean, but why did Michael Jordan dunk the ball the way he could? Because it entertains people. At the end of the day, I'm trying to help um, all the fighters that train, you know, uh, be a marquee value. There's 300 fighters in the UFC, and maybe another 50, 75 fighters in Bellator and all the other great shows. I mean, I, we got to do something to stand out, and I'm trying to help these kids brand themselves as a, as the guy that you want to watch, the guy you want to tune into. Even, uh, you know, Ben Askren, he's caught a lot of criticism. Last week, he definitely um, didn't have a critical performance. That was uh, the evolving Ben Askren.
1: Was it hard for you? I actually had a chance to watch that fight with you, right next to you, and I could see the way you're watching him, and and, and, and and I'm wondering, while sitting there next to you, is it hard as his coach to not be there with him and you have to watch it on TV?
7: Yeah, very hard. I mean, that's, a, that's two of his last three fights. I um, have been at... Uh, another fight when he was there. The way we kind of do it on the team, the guy who gets like the fight contract at first gets kind of first selection of coaches. Okay. Um, you know, like I mean, I look at all the our elite level guys are all equal. It's just timing. But the most resilient guy on our team who doesn't need me is Ben Askren. I mean, um, he, he is a mindset like no other. I mean, if if I could if if I could somehow brand, produce, and mold his winning attitude, um, he's something special. You now a lot of people have been critical about his, uh, you know, MMA performances. But he's just starting to get comfortable in the sport. The way he fought last week, um, you're going to see more of that, you're going to see him get even better on a feet. He's getting confident in MMA, but. The guy is a hard worker, the most consistent guy on our team, and um, he has a very special winning attitude. Again, a lot of people look at Ben and they they sleep on him. They don't think he's a tough guy. Funny story, he was here in town training, um, helping Alan Belcher. He's helping a guy train. He doesn't have a fight himself. He goes to me, hey, coach, you got any tape? I go, yeah, sure, what do you need it for? Well, I was in Russia wrestling. I kind of compound fractured my finger. The the bones coming through the skin. I got to oh. tape it in so it doesn't come out.
1: <laughs> wow.
7: Yeah, exactly. Jeez. I mean, the you know he wrestled on one of his state championships in high school with a broken ankle. I mean, through the whole tournament, he just went to one leg. I mean, um, you know, these are the things that a lot of other people don't advertise. But you know, the the that's the traits I look for in an athlete. Um, in in fight sports, in in competitive gladiatorial sports like wrestling, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, and MMA, you need to have that special mental factor. There's a cool YouTube video, actually, on Anthony. Mm -hmm. Um, He gets slammed on a fight in Milwaukee. His shoulder pops out while he got slammed. And he finds a way to get up, stand up, and he only has one kick in him, knocks the guy out with one head kick, and wins the fight. You know, I mean, these are the type of, um, you know, people are like, oh, you're so high on this guy. You're so high on that guy. Yeah, because they've shown that they have that extra special edge that makes them a champion. You know, there's, um, I think, you know, the toughest thing about coaching is not skill. I mean, we had it, I don't want to sound like I'm criticizing the fighter I had Saturday, but he was winning his fight, Chico Camus. Yeah. And he chose to wrestle when we chose him to keep boxing. You're winning the fight. And that's just that maturity level and getting that mental game down in your fight. And that's what a guy like Asker and Pettis have. They really are on top of their mental game right now. I know because like, I-, I won some championships, but... I would lose fights, too, because I struggled mentally, and that's something that I'm very cognizant of with the athletes I'm working with, helping them develop their mindset to be a winner. The the, the skill part's easy, honestly. I think the mindset of what makes a champion or a championship-level athlete, that's what I'm trying to tap into with the fighters that I coach right now.
1: Well, Coach, I really, really enjoyed this discussion. Uh, You're such a brilliant mind, such a great uh, leader and and mentor. I I see some people stealing some of the quotes you've used in this interview, don't be bitter, be better, and uh, really enjoyed just getting your perspective, especially the way you feel about your fighters. We don't see the stuff with air coke and whatnot. So uh, appreciate the insight, appreciate the time. I'm sure we'll talk to you very soon, and good luck. Uh, I know you have a busy schedule coming up. You just had a busy schedule. Good luck with, with all your fights coming up.
7: Thank you so much. It's my pleasure.
1: There he is, Duke Rufus, the head of Rufus Sport in Milwaukee, joining us uh, a very busy last couple of weeks, as I mentioned with uh, Ben Askren, Pascal Kraus, Eric Koch, Showtime Pettis, Chico Camus, this past weekend, great insight from him. Follow him on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash is always tweeting out inspirational things and nice messages and whatnot. All right, let's move along. Another big story to come out of UFC 156, sort of a uh, under-the-radar one, but uh, I noticed at the end of the press conference, everyone's kind of, you know, windling down, filing their reports, doing what they do in the media center after the fights. I noticed a familiar face taking a picture with Dana White, a familiar face, a, a face that looked a lot like Melvin Mannhoff, the the, the 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 striking legend, one of the most feared fighters in MMA and kickboxing. And lo and behold, it was Melvin Mannhoff. Got to talking with him, invited him on the show. Very happy that he's able to join us right here, right now in the MMA Hour. Melvin, how are you? Yeah, fine, man. How are you guys? I'm doing great. So what were you doing in Las Vegas in the media center talking to Dana White on Saturday night?
5: uh nothing just talking <laughs> uh doing nothing no i was like uh i went to went went to watch the show in uh in Vegas. that's why and uh afterwards i was there with george and uh the guy from black house i was there um, watching the the interviews of the guys
1: yeah and i and i saw uh, you took a picture with dana, you had a brief conversation what did you guys say to yeah. each other?
5: Yeah, nothing much. It, uh, it was nice to be here and you know when I'm going to fight in the UFC. <laughs> no. Uh, just normal. No. Just normal high and how are you and everything. So it was nice. Do you want to fight was, in the uh, UFC? Uh, yeah. Who who wouldn't? I think everybody would want to fighting in the UFC because yeah it's like uh, I think one of the biggest organizations at the moment. So uh, uh, and uh, I'm a fighter that uh, I want to entertain people so so, um, <clears throat> uh, if sorry, yeah, uh, I want to I want to entertain people. So for me, it's like uh, 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 pretty nice to to fight in the UFC. If the chance is there, I'm gonna do it for 100%. And uh, uh, I think that every fighter, mm, it's an achievement on his work. I think.
1: You've been around this sport for a very long time. You've been around combat sports a, a very long time. How come you've never fought in the UFC? Did you ever get close? Did you ever get an offer? Uh, why? Why have you never fought inside the octagon?
5: Uh yeah, I I was on the contract at the K1 at the moment, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I couldn't, you know, and uh, that's that's the only reason. And also because of uh, I I started as a as a as a, as a K1 fighter, as a kickboxing guy, you know. So. Um, at that time uh, it was better to stay at the can one because then I could uh, do my can one fight and do MMA fights both
1: so right now are, are you a free agent are you not tied to any organization
5: no i'm not really tied to any organization i fight uh, i fight now at one sc uh often and i have like uh, uh i'm going to fight at KSW um so i have like some fights lined up so
1: When's your next fight?
5: Uh, It's going to be April 5th, I think. April 5th is going to be my next fight uh, at 1FC. So uh, I'm preparing on that, you know. And uh, now I'm here at Black Ops. I'm going to train with the guys with Leota because I heard he has a fight against Henderson also. So I'm going to help him prepare. And uh, this is what I'm going to do now.
1: Before we get to that, who are you fighting in April? In April, um,
5: it's not confirmed yet. They are busy. Oh okay. So So it, it it was going to be a Japanese guy but I don't know if uh, if it's going to be him so I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I have to call and uh, ask them but it wasn't confirmed yet. So but maybe in uh in a week it's going to be confirmed.
1: So you're at Black House in LA helping Leoto train for Dan Henderson. Are you a member of Team Black House? I I never knew that you were affiliated with them.
5: Yeah. Uh... Like a year ago we, we me and Ed and George started to talk and you know, uh and um, he came to my house and we were talking and uh, it was a nice thing and he 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 let me feel comfortable and uh, and he said, Yeah, you have to come and train with us and we will see what's gonna happen and he is helping me now, so this is the thing. And we have like a sort of commitment with each other, so it was nice.
1: And of course, you're talking about Ed Soares, uh, George Guimares, who yeah. are the uh, the yeah. you know managers to the likes of Anderson Silva, the Nogueira brothers, etc. So you just got there. Have you trained with Lyoto yet? Not yet.
5: I am. I am. Uh, now I'm gonna start because you know yesterday we were, we were in Vegas and I just arrived uh, today and I just arrived at the gym. So when this uh, when I finish with you, I'm gonna start with training with Lyoto. We're gonna spar a little bit and do some techniques, I think. Uh, no, So it's going to be nice. It's going to be awesome.
1: Was that the first time that you attended a, a UFC show in the U.S.? Uh,
5: no, no. Uh, I went there like two times early, I think, yeah. Two times early when uh, Thiago Alves fought, uh, I don't know, was it John Fitch or somebody else? Oh, okay. Yeah at that time I don't know anymore
1: <laughs> I was just wondering how you compare I mean you fought all over the world so many big stages you know when you when you sit there now and you see the UFC today as as the leader in MMA do you feel like this is a big show like do, does it get you excited being there does it remind you of you know what it was like in Japan and things like that
5: yeah it reminds me very yeah, yeah because it was like you know the show was pretty big and uh, the, the atmosphere was also good you know it was very nice uh, and it reminded me, uh, and uh, also at nine times, you know, in Japan in the big venues, and it was nice, you know. And it's also nice to not fighting and see how everybody else is fighting. You know, it was a great show; it was really good to be there.
1: What did you think of and, your? And, and that, sorry, go ahead.
5: And 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 the feeling that when you are there, you know, and in the venue, and you feel all the the vibe and the the, the, the things, you know, it's like. Uh, <laughs> so at that moment that I was that, I really wanted to fight, you know? It was, like, really it was really nice to be there.
1: What did you think of your fellow uh, Dutchman, Alistair Overeem, getting knocked out? Did that surprise you?
5: Um, yeah, a little bit. Not so, you know, it surprised me, like, I didn't know he, he would get knocked out. But uh, I thought uh, if he uh, should win the fight, I think he should win the fight in the first round, I think, because then stand up is better than uh uh Antonio. Um but I know Antonio also and he's like a hard fighter, you know, and I know that Antonio is like for heavyweight he has like uh, good cardio and he's light and he, he moves good so I know it was it's gonna be like if it was the first round I think Anderson would win the fight if he uh, had put some pressure and if it's gonna every round is gonna last longer, Antonio has like more advantages I think. So, this was my prediction, but, yeah, and at the end, it it, it was like this, so, and it was like, pretty for Alistair, good for Antonio, so, uh, yeah, congrats to him.
1: Do you think it was a mistake for Alistair to leave Golden Glory?
5: No, I don't know, because I, I don't know if it's a mistake, you know, because I think every fighter has to do what they want to do, and I don't know the inside story about <clears throat> about uh, Alistair and Golden Glory, but... Um if he would be at Golden Glory and he would be there, he would still lose this fight, so it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> uh if he is uh if it's a good choice or a bad choice, you know. Uh, I don't think so. But
1: You know you know, the last time we saw you in action was uh obviously New Year's Eve in Japan, Dream eighteen. You've had some vicious fights, some vicious knockouts. Vicious. But the the Dennis Kang knockout, the knee to the body in, in fifty seconds, that has to be up there as one of your more Vicious finishes, right? I mean, it just that look when I watched that, I I felt the pain. Am am I accurate here? Was that one of your more brutal finishes?
5: Yeah, it was like one of them, I think. You know, but you know, I finish everybody with my hands, uh, with my knee, and now with also with the knee. So you know, uh, you know, if I fight, it's like always like this. You, you. Uh, it's not the time to get a snack or something, you know. It's like, you know, I I come to fight and I want to do everything. And I think the 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 need to the body was like very devastating and was very hard. But I don't think it was one of the most brutal knockouts. I think.
1: Well, I always wanted uh, to I, I... go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think I
5: think the the one of my brutal knockout was against. Sakuraba, you know, mm. uh, I, I find that that one I find very hard. You know, I kick them, break arms, and uh, you know, it was nice. It was one of the brutal, I think.
1: Now that was a that was a relatively short fight, like your your fight against um, Dennis Kang. But to me, when I think of Melvin Manhoef, like the the if I want to show someone who Melvin Manhoef is, I show them the 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 cyborg fight, Cage Rage. Yeah. Th- that, to me, yeah. is like, th- that's like a legacy fight. That that paints a beautiful picture of who you are. Do you agree?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This th- is, uh, I agree, completely.
1: When's the last time you watched that fight?
5: Uh, I don't know, but it was maybe before the fight of uh, King, you know. This is one, like, fight. It get me always <laughs> uh, inspired, you know. So when I was this fight, I get... Yeah, I get really pumped up, psyched up, you know. And you know, and every fight I want to mm. make the same fight as the cyborg fight because I think you know, when you're fighting, you are you 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 are entertaining, you know. And I think I need to entertain the fans. And mm. and and that thing, you know, because you need to entertain the fans. And then you go fight, put all of it in it, and you know, try to knock some people out, you know, because I think. At the end, the fans like that the most, you know, when people come and give him a good fight, you know, because everybody's paying for their ticket and they want to see some action. So uh, I'm only, I am the guy who wants to live with it. So that's why, that's why I look at that fight of Cyborg. It's like, for me, it's like, yeah. It's you, you... like a good, uh, yeah?
1: Go ahead. No, sorry. It,
5: yeah, it's like a good, um, how do you say this? Um, I don't know how to to explain it, but it's like, the 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 good five to get in and to do the same again.
1: Yeah, absolutely, to recreate that kind of magic. Now you're yes, you're, yes, tu- you're yes. turning 37 later this year. You've given out yes. some big shots. You've taken some big shots. How many more years do you want to do this for?
5: You know, it's funny, but I'm getting stronger every day and <laughs> learning every day. I'm learning more. Yeah, it's it's really funny, you know. And I'm training with the young guys and everything. I overpower them. Uh, my speed is like is like not normal. Uh, my ground is getting better and better every day. So because you know, uh, I'm doing it now a little bit more, and yeah. So every time I, I I'm increasing with everything. So I don't know how long I'm gonna do it for for more. But there are like a lot of years in me. I think.
1: So does this mean that you're gonna be spending more time in the U.S. now that you're doing stuff with Black House?
5: Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. It's uh I'm gonna prepare myself to fight here and uh uh the guy's gonna help me and I'm gonna help the guys, you know, because you know they have like a good team and everything, so this is the this is eventually the plan what we wanted. So
1: Will you be moving to the US?
5: Uh my wife would want that. <laughs> My wife would wonder, but you know, yeah, maybe everything, uh, everything is uh, is possible. You know, uh, it it would be also uh, something to think about in the near future, or you know, it would be nice.
1: You know what they I say here in America: happy wife, happy life.
5: Yeah, I know, <laughs> and uh, and it was also like everything. Uh, every dream can can come true so maybe my dream is going to come true there
1: the american dream and i know uh, would you say at this yeah. point like you, you you know you fought everywhere and all that the last dream the last goal is to fight in the ufc is that is that the last thing that you can really truly try to accomplish in your career
5: yeah i think so i think so because uh just what i said i have fought everywhere okay well, i'm doing strike force so and only thing what is missing is also the ufc so you know, I'm gonna do every fight what I have to do, I'm gonna put all in it, you know, and uh if it happened it happened, you know, and I want it to happen so uh I think I'm gonna fight. Uh like like this year I'm gonna fight like four or five fights. So this year you have to watch me, I think. And what I'm gonna do with
1: people. You wanna fight at one seventy or one eighty five? You know,
5: one one eighty five is okay, you know, but I also like challenge to challenge myself to go to the one seventy. You no, know, uh um the last time that I was uh, cutting I was like I, I tipped the scale I had uh, eighty two kilos, you know, and I had like a lot of still I had like a lot of body fat. So I think it would be it would I think I could, you know, but I never tried it so I would not try it before but it's an opportunity to also do that because I think there are also great fives at the one Seventy kilos, uh, uh, pounds, I think, to 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 have a, a nice fight with. I think.
1: Have you thought about some guys that you would like to fight in the UFC? Like, do you allow yourself to think? Oh, I'd love. It? You know, I I see some people here saying you versus Tiago Alves would be fun. Is there anyone in particular that excites you over there?
5: Uh in in what weight?
1: In uh, either way, whatever you want. 170, 185. Yeah.
5: Yeah, I would like. I I would like to fight fighters who would like to stand and brawl with me. So this is the fight I want to choose for myself, you know, Uh to give, like, the fans a a nice fight. And uh, this thing is one of those guys. is one of those guys. Oh, God. Uh, Lee is one of those guys. You know, there are a lot of of guys who like to bang. So those guys, yeah, I would really like to fight them.
1: You, You versus Vanderlei would be bananas.
5: Yeah, it would be great. Would... I think also. Now, are you done? Yeah, he's like he is like one of my my idols, you know. But now it's like you know, before uh, he was like, before he was like in the prize, and I was fighting, not nowhere. You understand? And then I was watching Funjabi. Right. And now the guys just like Sakuraba. It's an honor for me to fight them. So I really like to fight them.
1: And uh, are you done kickboxing?
5: Uh, yeah, um, I I think I'm going to try to focus me more on MMA. Okay. Um because um I think when you bet on two horses, you know, it's like always uh when I'm training, when I'm training uh kickboxing the other guys that MMA are training, you know? Mm-hmm. Training um MMA. So it's it's, it's not good to
8: be I from the Maximum fighting so championship. To to. How are you today?
1: I hear uh w- sorry about that. I hear what's going on in the back, guys. Sorry yeah. about that, Melvin.
8: No, no
5: problem.
1: You were saying you don't. Oh. So you're going to focus on one so that you can put all your attention and everything yeah, on.
5: Yeah, this is what I want. You know, I think am Yeah, yeah. This is what I want. I, I think it's going to pay. It's going to pay off. Eventually, it's going to pay off mo- uh, much better. And uh, nowadays, when I'm when I'm when I'm uh, uh, training, I see that my my ground game is getting better because I'm busy every day with it. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think I have to continue with doing this.
1: Well, I would like to see you there. Uh, it was great to see you on Saturday. It was a nice surprise. Uh, I think it's it's very interesting that you're training with Leoto for the Dan Henderson fight. And uh, enjoy your time over Blackhouse LA, all that stuff. And keep us posted. Let us know if something happens. If you need us to give a call yeah, to UFC not- to vouch for you, let us know.
5: Yeah. Of course, man. Thank you for your... I well, you, appreciate your time, and uh, it was very nice to be in your show,
1: man. You have Thanks. good guys uh, in your corner with George and Ed, so I'm sure you'll be fine. Thank you so much, Melvin. Best of luck to you. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. thank you, man. Bye-bye. There he is. Melvin Manhuff joining us, saying he wants to uh, uh, sign with the UFC. Wouldn't that be interesting? vandaly Silva versus Melvin Manhoff. I think I would lose a few brain cells if I watched that. Um, so I appreciate him stopping by, and uh, very interesting that he will be training with Leona Machida helping him for the next few days as he prepares for Dan Henderson. That's the next big UFC pay-per-view coming up. Um, that's UFC 157, February 23rd. But don't forget, a week before that is UFC on Fuel TV 7, Michael Mayday McDonald versus Henan Burrell for the interim bantamweight title. That's uh, February 16th in London, England, Wembley Arena. So don't forget about that. I know they've been promoting the... Uh, the 157 card, you saw the the Ronda Rousey promo. Very interesting promo with Ronda Rousey, with them saying they'll they'll break more than your heart. No, the, what were these? Yeah, these girls will break more than your heart. But if you notice, they they turn all the Moro sound bites from the old strike Strikeforce uh, events, and uh, they replace them with John Anik. Did you notice that? Anyway, uh, we'll talk more about UFC on uh, Fuel TV Seven next week, uh, and I'm sure. Uh, Rick will have his picks for that. He may even have his picks for that right now. But let us go to the Skype and uh, welcome in our last guest of the day. He is the president of the Maximum Fighting Championship. He is Mark Pavlich. Mark, how are you? I'm
8: fantastic, Ariel. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. And, you know, uh, let's get right into it. A lot of people uh, in the past have asked me, why don't you talk about MFC? You know, you're a proud Canadian boy. I have a Canadian flag right here in my studio. Uh, you, as you support everything Canadian. Do you have any idea why I, 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 I never talked about MFC or never had you on the show? Do you have any idea?
8: I think in the past that I made comments that you probably weren't, you know, I probably shouldn't have made because I've always looked at you as very high standard in the journalism field. And I, in at that time, there wasn't very many people that I looked at in that high regard. So I felt that at times that you favored certain things, right? But at the same time, as it doesn't take away from the fact that I always thought you were at the highest level in the game. I always had a great esteem for what you've done and what you've accomplished, in, in, in not just in the sport, but in the, the field of mixed martial arts, right? So for myself, I, I would truly apologize. Do you speak Hebrew? I do. Okay. Any mistah.
1: You know what that means? Maybe not with that accent. Explain it to the people, because I'm sure a lot of them don't.
8: I studied world religion when I was in school, and I and I studied with a great rabbi named Rabbi Plaut, and he explained to me that the word "animistah" means my deepest apologies, okay. right in Hebrew, right. So for the non-Hebrew listeners, and my accent's horrible because I'm Canadian, right. right. So I don't have the, I can't make that noise. Yes. But uh, that 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 he said that's the that serious form of apology to somebody when you've wronged them. And it's very rare that I do apologize to anybody because most of the time I prefer now not to make comment at all.
1: Well, you know, I I appreciate that very much. And I've been calling 2013 uh, the year of peace. You know, we had Tito Ortiz on the show, Hector Lombard, all in a month and a bit. And uh, I must give a lot of credit to Scott Zur, who works with you, who I met in Las Vegas. And, and, you know, he said he wanted to sort of bridge the gap. And I must admit, and not to make this, you know, about our little thing, we'll get to MFC and your career, and and I've always watched from afar. But I must admit, I was very hurt because I I remember when this this started. I was on Mauro Ronaldo's show, and it started when I said that the most famous three letters in our sport right now are ufc and i still by the way believe that the most famous three letters in our sport are ufc it's mma but still people know ufc they think the sport is ultimate fighting and you posted a nasty video on my facebook we were facebook friends saying that i'm up dana white's ass that i that i'm biased and you threw some major threats my way and you continued and you continued and you continued and i was like where is this guy coming from i know you're kind of a colorful character but you were completely off base and, and disrespectful, and, that, and and it bothered me.
8: Well, see, what, what the problem is when you wake up every day like me for 13 years, the longest running show in the country, right. one of the longest in the world, and you have to compete for second place all the time, it's very frustrating. So that would not be your problem. That would definitely be my problem because I wake up every morning, I go to bed very late, and I wake up extremely early as well. And for me to know that every day that I wake up, I'm not listen. I'm not crazy. I realize that the number one brand in the world is the UFC. I mean, it's, it's, and they do things the right way. There's no question. The problem is a person like me that has to wake up every morning and fight for second place is just it's hard for me, right? So that's just the reality of it. And like I said, you're you're 100% correct. It is still the, the you know three letters that are most popular out of anything. But at the same time, is I figured that. I would get a little bit of home court advantage from a fellow Canadian. So and it's not your fault. It really is not. It's my fault because I, I will fight for every inch in this business to be that other brand of MMA. And I, I've tried. I, listen, the UFC is the best brand of MMA in the world. I've never bowed down to them, but at the same time, as it doesn't change the fact that I know that they're very good at what they do. They're at the highest level, but for someone like me that wakes up every morning, to just be the biggest brand of MMA in Canada is not enough for me, right? There has to be more. And if there's not, I'll stop and open a hot dog stand on the corner, right? That's just kind of how it works.
1: Well, for those, you know, and again, we, we don't talk a lot about MFC here. And it's not because I put my personal bias in There's only so much you can talk about once a week. Um, and there's you know, all these UFCs, Bellator, Strikeforce, et etc, But for those that don't know, you started MFC in 2001, right? I mean, you've been around this sport for a very, very long time. And it is a credit to you and your staff that you are still around. We've seen so many organizations come and go since 2001. What's been the secret? How have you been able to outlast everyone essentially but the UFC?
8: It's basically just relentlessness, right? I mean, it's a family business. And when you have my wife involved, my son involved, you know, we have a very close-knit group of people that all have the same crazy mentality as me. It's just some of them are much more politically correct than I am in my office. But at the same time, as it's like, I just want to win so bad, Ariel. It's just something, I don't know, it's in my DNA from my father, who was a referee in the NHL. My uncle played for Detroit Red Wings, won four Stanley Cups. It's just, I they, they're still alive, and they're, they're basically my board of directors that are always telling me, Mark, you know, you, you can be bigger, you can be bigger. And, you know, when you have these people around you constantly knowing that the knowledge that I have in the mixed martial art business is far greater than 95% of the people out there. Um, you know, like I said, just being the biggest show in Canada is not enough anymore. It's really not. So how do you take that next step? Well, right now we're on access television, right? With Mark Cuban. Right. And we're on T- we're on TSN, the largest sport network in Canada. And so, you know, the next steps were, you know, just bigger sponsorship and, and just keep going forward at what we're doing. Don't make any crazy radical mistakes right now. Just stay on course. Um, It's unfortunate that you see someone like Strikeforce go out of business because I thought that brand of MMA was phenomenal. And, 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 you know, you see that those kind of And then in Canada, the score fighting series just went out of business last week. So, I mean, you just we just have to stay careful. I mean, we've been careful for 12 years or so, but we we just have to keep going forward and not running, but just crawling. Just keep going forward.
1: Does that make you happy, though? I mean, when your competition dies, essentially, you're you know, there's there's a little more room for you.
8: There's room for me, but I don't want to win by default, right? I mean, um, the score is a small brand of MMA, so I, I didn't expect great things from them. But Strikeforce, for me, I thought was it scared me a little bit when they went out of business. I thought even there was a way to keep it alive, to keep. but it was strange. It's like people thought oh, I'd be jumping up and down. That, that's not true. I think it scares sponsors in the future. I think it scares other people to get involved with mixed martial arts because of that. You know, when they see a, a big brand like Strikeforce going out of business it'll scare away the bigger sponsor kind of guys, you know? what? And that's what I've been working on now for the last few years is, like, really getting bigger sponsors.
1: You know, a few years ago, I mean, guys like Bobby Lashley have have fought for MFC. I mean, there, there were some names, and I recall maybe a couple of years ago you were trying to get some names like that, you know, like the Bobby Lashley of the world. Maybe not, uh, you know, like a GSP-level talent, but a name that would attract someone. Now it seems like looking at your card – your cards and you have one coming up in, in less than two weeks and we'll talk about it. It seems like you're trying to sort of build, you know, stars, your, your, your homegrown guys, you know, not just go out and get a quick name to get a few extra viewers. Has your philosophy uh, about how to build MFC changed over the last couple of years?
8: It changed the last two or three years. I mean, before it would happen, a guy would get cut from the UFC and I would sign him, And right. I'm like, that doesn't get, that doesn't make any logical sense because I'm rewarding someone from the largest organization in the world to come to the maximum fighting championship and I'm rewarding them for losing two fights in a row in the UFC so I was like that doesn't make sense anymore right it just I don't think you should be rewarded that way you, you've been cut from that organization go fight somewhere else for a few more shows and then come and sign with the maximum fighting championship and that's what I've done and like I said I've built stars like Elvis Mutapcic, Mukai Moromo just really exciting fighters And at the same time as you still have guys like You know, over the years, Talas Ladies has fought in the Maximum Fighting Championship, Luigi Foravante, I mean, Patrick Cote, Jason McDonald, just so many guys. And then I started noticing that their records in the Maximum Fighting Championship weren't very good. I mean, they were 50-50 when they came here. And what I noticed was a lot of those guys thought it was going to be kind of a free ride when they came to the MFC, and then they realized there's lots of guys here that are very hungry and... You know, they didn't do very well against those guys. So then I started realizing that these Hungry Lions that I got, it's time for I build them into stars instead of recycling people.
1: But then what happens like, you know, a couple of years ago, I recall Ryan Ford, right? I mean, a lot of us were looking at Ryan Ford. He was an MFC guy. Then he goes on and does other things. And this will happen you know, I, I would imagine with some of the guys you're building now, how do you stop yourself from being the guy who, you know, I was a big Montreal Expos fan. How do you stop yourself from being the Montreal Expos, building the talent and then
8: seeing them go away? Well, you know, it's, it's we play Moneyball MMA. So there's no question that that's what we do. And what, there's only one place that people will go now besides the MFC, and that's the UFC. I've never lo- I've lost one fighter in 13 years or for how long Bellator's been in business because the difference is this. People in the maximum fighting championship will fight four or five times a year and be on Access TV and TSN. They'll only sign a one year deal, not a two or three year deal like in Bellator. So guys are going, wait a second, I'm going to come to the Harvard of MMA, I'm going to go to the maximum fighting championship, and then my next step will be the UFC. And my trick has been now to stop them from going to the UFC for that extra two or three fights that they defend their title one or two or three or four times, and then eventually like a Ryan Jimmo. He, he had, there's just he kind of expires from the Maximum Fighting Championship, and there's only one other place to go, and that's the UFC. People people aren't leaving the Maximum Fighting Championship going to Bellator. If guys get cut, like like guys like Ryan Ford that got cut, right? Then then ev- eventually they're going to go to those other brands of MMA because that's all the that's all they can go to. But the next step, most people come here. They come here for one reason, one reason only. They know they're going to get great sponsorship. They're going to get a ton of publicity. They're going to be on live television, and then the only other step they go to is the UFC.
1: But are you okay with that? Are you okay with the Jimmo, you know, no, no, going on?
8: No, I'm not okay, but it's it's the makeup of, like you said earlier, like the Montreal Expos, right? It's like they develop this great talent, and you're watching the Expos play, and you go, this guy is playing shortstop. He's so awesome, right? But no one's really paying attention to him. All of a sudden, he just signs with the New York Yankees, and all of a sudden, he's a superstar, you know, playing right. on the All-Stars. It's just, and, and And that's a trick that... I'm, I'm slowly trying to figure out and how to evolve it. But the only way to do it is with bigger sponsors, right? Then I can afford to pay people more money, you know, um, things like that.
1: So you're in uh, Edmonton right now, right?
8: Yeah, I, I reside in Edmonton, but I'm originally from the Windsor area. And I used to live in Montreal because my wife, my beautiful wife of 26 years is from Montreal.
1: Oh, well, that's great. So how healthy is MMA in not only Western Canada, but all of Canada? How, how healthy are things right now?
8: I don't think it's like, it's a kind of a, a, just people are disillusioned by thinking it's healthy. I mean, I think we're the only brand of MMA in the country that makes money and is self-sufficient, right? And, and people think I'm happy about that. And once again, I'm not happy about that. I would... I would want people, I would want other brands of MMA to be successful and and to run things properly because I don't think this sport's going to grow at that mentality. You know, I just think that we need guys that are going to run it properly, not not try to put on shows in 20,000 seat venues and get, you know, 1,000 people to show up. Be realistic on where your brand is. And I tell everybody, you know, you got to find some way to get it on live television or stream it live. I don't care what you do, but you got to get it live for people. Even if you're the smallest show in the world, just figure a way to do that and, and really start to improve your product as time goes on.
1: Use a ring. Why do you like the ring over the cage? I know you used the cage uh, recently, but I think you had to because you were in Ontario, right? But why, why do you use the ring?
8: I, I mean, I have always loved the ring. I think viewership... And especially when dealing with corporate sponsors, I've always dealt with corporate sponsors. And, and, you know, contrary to everybody's belief, we always think that everybody knows everything about MMA, and that's not true. And when dealing with corporate sponsors, it was funny. Over time, when I started preaching them about the ring, they just liked the idea that it sounded more like sport to them instead of being in a cage. And when I watched my show at Caesars Windsor, at Caesars, uh, when I did my show there, we had to have a cage made. And I, I had it made, and it looked really fancy and everything like that. And then, then you got to the show, and I was watching the show, and I looked over at one of my, Scott Zerr, and I said, I just can't stand watching it like this, you know? And he said, me neither. And I, and it's interesting, because I said, look at 6,000 people in Caesars right now. Where are they all watching? And they're staring up at the, the four video screens watching it, right? Mm-hmm. And my 80-year-old father, who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, came with me one time when I used to train Jason McDonald in UFC, and he said, Mark, why am I watching this sport on a video screen when I'm live in the venue, right? Right. And I, and I said, I said, Dad, don't don't ask me, but everybody thinks that's normal. You come to the Maximum Fighting Championship, and everybody's watching the ring, and then watching the replay on the video screens, just like when you watch an NFL football game, just like when you go to watch, you know, NBA basketball. You're watching the court, and then you're watching the replay on the on the screen. And mixed martial arts, the complete opposite. Everybody's watching the show on video screens while they're in a live venue.
1: How does someone, and if anyone is a hockey fan, they obviously know about the Pavliches, How does someone who has that kind of history get into MMA promotion?
8: I never liked hockey, Ariel. I, like I liked it to watch it, and I have friends that play in the NHL. And but I, I just once I got involved with mixed martial arts, I just I can't sit and watch like hockey. You know, I just I don't know why. It's just I watch mixed martial arts and I watch NFL football, and that's basically the two sports. And, and then I have a dream one day to come to Flushing Meadows, New York, to watch the tennis that you have there, the yes. U.S. Open. Yes. That, I don't know why I have an obsession with, <laughs> with that. I watch it religiously every year. And I'm gonna, I'm one day, maybe in the next year or two, I'm going to go there and I'm going to sit with my hat on and I'm going to watch the tennis at <laughs> Flushing Meadows.
1: Wow, that's your yeah, dream. But w- w- where did the MFC come from? How did you start it?
8: I, I had an entertainment business and I had a martial arts school at the same time. And someone brought a Japanese Pancrase tape in in 1999 and and showed it to me. And I just, I was obsessed with it. And then I would be in Vancouver and I'd go to the Chinatown and try to find these VHS tapes to watch. And then I would go to Montreal and the Chinatown there and try to find VHS tapes of Japanese Pancrase. And MFC started in 2000, not 2001. But in 1999 was the first time I saw the tape and I fell in love with it. And then I watched the first UFC and then after that, I just started it. And I, I never had any intention of being big or popular. I just was so loved the sport, you know? And then I started training fighters because I was good at Jeet Kune do, which is Bruce Lee's yep. martial art. And then fighters used to come in, like want to box with me, you know, and try to fight with me. I wasn't a professional fighter. I'm not even athletic. And, and it's like, they were trying to like do these things. They couldn't hit me. So I trained Jason McDonald. I trained Ryan Ford, all these fighters. And it was just, it all, it was an evolution to come to the maximum fighting Championship.
1: Let's say there's someone uh, watching or listening to this show and they're learning about you and MFC for the first time. Can you tell them which fight, in your opinion, best you know, symbolizes what MFC is all about? Maybe they can try to find it online or whatnot. In your opinion, when you think of MFC, the history, what stands out? That's
8: easy. That's like uh, Mukai Moromo and Adam Lin, you know, the second fight, that's all over the place. I mean, it was like watching a video game. Pa- early days, Patrick Cote against Jason McDonald. I mean, those are fights that are, were just like, I was like jumping up like a little kid in the audience. I, I've always had that problem. I just, I, I, I'm very non-emotional to anything else in the world, but when I watch MMA, my own brand of MMA, I jump up and down. It doesn't matter who wins or loses. I tell all the fighters that. I have no favoritism towards anybody. I just, I just love watching great fights, and I jump up and down like a little kid still, even to this day after 12, 13 years.
1: You've got a show coming up February 15th. Uh, Mukai Moromo is on the card. I know you're very high on Mike Hackert. why should people tune into this card on uh, on the 15th on access or TSN2
8: well I just I just think once again you know I hate to sound like that proverbial promoter but I tell you man you want to see an exciting brand of MMA man it's there's no secret it's the secret's out and it's been out for a long time and I look for styles of fighters that match up properly and you know, and you're going to see that on February 15th, and, and I couldn't be any more excited. than This fight card, I say to everyone, went, the last one was going to be the most exciting one, and it was exciting. And then I tell everybody this one here, it's just the makeup and the guys, they have a different mentality here. and Everybody's bought into the system and the maximum fighting championship. So when I go to a fighter meeting, it doesn't take an hour. The speech is five minutes, not even. And they all understand when they look into my eyes, they realize how, her, how hard our family works. And I can only sell something to a certain degree until it starts when they fight then they have to be the one that sells it to the people, and to make me credible by backing up what I'm telling people.
1: Any plans to leave Canada?
8: Oh, it, Of course, right? I mean, we've had lots of people approach us to come to the United States. The difference is, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be in Alberta, Canada, where you can charge $600 for someone to sit in the front row of the maximum fighting championship. So that's the difference. And, I mean, my my broadcasting partners ask me all the time and I'm like, you know, I check the Ticketmasters and the police like that with other shows. And, you know, they're charging twenty dollars for tickets and things like that. And I just I can't afford to do that in those markets. I really can't. And we've had lots of casino people call us. We've had Live Nation call us that want to make a deal. And when the right deal comes, we'll we'll take it and we'll, you know, we'll expand on it. But we're not going anywhere. We're not going to go broke in the process just to say, hey, we were in the United States of America. You know, The same rabbi that, that taught me how to say to you I, my deepest yeah. apologies, he also taught me to crawl and not run. right? And he said, Mark, just outlast everybody. And, and that will be you know, almost everybody. And, and that is my game plan.
1: Well, you, you really know how to get to my heart, uh, bringing up rabbis, Canada, all this stuff. I mean, now, now you're really trying to soften me up.
8: No, I, I think <laughs> most people know that it's not my nature, right? I'm kidding, it's, I'm kidding. It's, a, it's, a, it's a truth in the matter. I did study world religion in, in high school. And, and, and to this day, I wear French collar uh, cuff shirts because the rabbi that came to preach to us, and I was there learning from Catholic Brazilian priests that were poor. And the rabbi pulled in wearing a French cuff shirt and a Mercedes, and I fell in love immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that was kind of how I grew up. And I, I grew up, you know, when as a kid playing golf and I, I was a caddy as a child and, you know, I had I had, you know, rich judges and lawyers that I was a caddy for as a child. And and, and they used to preach to me for 18 holes and how I should do things. So my education came very different than other people and, and came from very wise people.
1: I must admit, Mark, you, you, you're surprising me right now because you're you're very charming. You're very likable. Uh, you know, I like what you're bringing to the table. And for a while, it seemed I'm wondering where this came from, because for a while you were, you know, Not as charming. You were a little insufferable, right? I mean, you were you were trying to like go after Dana White. It seemed you you were very combative, and now you seem very you seem different. You seem to be in a different place. Is this accurate? What I'm saying?
8: Yes, you're correct. Because you know, someone the other day they said you know they called me the Black Prince of MMA, and I thought what a strange nickname, you know. And I said why why would you call me the Black Prince of MMA? I mean, I thought it was a strange nickname. And he said, Mark, because the only the prince is always frustrated. Because the only way he could become king if the king dies, mm, right? And yeah. the prince can take that spot. And I thought, what if, that's an interesting analogy. Listen, I have the utmost respect for the UFC. I, I have a great deal of respect for Dana White. Um, I, we've been on off the record together, you know, yep. after, like we were on the show together. He was very polite, very respectful with me. At the same time, as going back to the same theory of waking up every morning, knowing you're playing for second place is very frustrating. Any other business I've ever had in the past, I was never number one, but I became number one in all those businesses. And this seems like the only business I've ever been in where you really don't have a realistic shot at being number one. Mm. So that's where my frustration builds. But at no time, you know, I'm, I, I made jokes about it in the past. I really don't joke about it anymore. I realized you know, that they're, they're really good. I had great relations with Joe Silva in the past as well. I, I, I have great relation with Joe Rogan now too as well. You know, so it, it's very comical. I mean, I, I know he's got me lots of Twitter um, followers because he made funny jokes before in the past about wanting to see me in a reality show, thought it would be funny. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I got 5,000 new Twitter followers, right? So, you know, Joe, Joe's came to where I live in my city and he's always been very respectful with me. And, you know, so it, it's nothing like that at all. It's just, I, I have to admit for the first time in my life, there would be an element of jealousy, you know, not jealousy, but this envy that, you know, I don't want to... Be like them. I just want them to acknowledge the fact, you know, and that's not their job to do that either, right? So that's my own my own problem. Any plans to sell? No, I would. No, I never sell nothing, right? It's say I've had other businesses, and people go, "Why don't you sell it?" I'm like, "Nah, they'll wreck it," you know, they'll wreck it. Right. And it's the same thing with MFC. It's like you know, people call to be investors and things like that. I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm interested in bigger corporate sponsors and. I, I, you know, I bugged Mark Cuban about that in the past, about putting me in the big room with bigger guys. and I think I can sell MMA better than most people, and, and I can present it in a way where it's more like a professional sport and not like an MMA organization. And, and that's one thing that, that I think that we lack in sometimes. I think we think of ourselves as, that's why you don't see the Nikes involved yet with organizations. You don't, you don't see Reebok. You don't see you know those kind of brands. And I, I think that there will come a time when they will get involved. But would they have to feel more comfortable with the people running those organizations?
1: You know, Mark, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I really want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm happy we finally got to talk. I'm happy I finally got a chance to uh, to interview you on the show. And I must thank Scott as well, Scott, sir, for, for coming up to me in Las Vegas and, and talking to me and, and trying to bridge the gap. Because, as I mentioned, 2013, the year of peace. And uh, us Canadians, we need to stick together. And... Uh, and I-
8: we're dead if we don't, you know. Yeah. I talked to Gord from the Tragically Hip one time, and he told me the same thing. He said, Mark, why don't Canadians, we all stick together somehow, you know? And I said, yeah, I'm I'm a proud Canadian, man. I wave my Canadian flag in my backyard, so.
1: Well, that's great. I, I wish you the best of luck on February 15th. We'll be watching and uh, looking forward to having you on the show for, for many years to come. Really appreciate the time.
8: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
1: There he is. So- Hello. Shalom, there he is, the president of the Maximum Fighting Championship, Mark Pavlich joining us from uh, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I must admit y- you look back and again I know there's some people oh making it too much, oh I think my okay there I thought my uh microphone just went out um it's making it too much about you, and this thing is like all right, there's like a weird thing going on with my uh my headphone here, but I think I got it. it's just like a weird um. Yes, that one was going to be about me because the man would actually spam my Twitter account and I had to defriend him, unfriend him. This is the president of an MMA promotion saying that I'm up Dana White's ass, that I'm biased, all this craziness. I remember him doing that one video, which I tried to find, to be honest, to play because it was so ridiculous. Um, And then you look at this guy here, completely different person. Yeah, he's quirky, he's colorful, all that stuff. He's Canadian, but a, a very different person. And, uh, and I enjoyed that very much. And I want to thank Scott over at the uh, Maximum Fighting Championship for, for, set, for setting this up. This thing keeps popping in and out. And I don't know. You can still hear me even if it's popped, though, right? Okay. So it's just weird for me because I can't hear myself. And then it sounds like my ears are blocked like they are right now. Um, all right. So thank you very much to Mark. Check him out. February 15th, Access TV, MFC thirty six. And if you're in the uh, Edmonton area, it's at the Shaw Conference Center. February 15th, the day before UFC on Fuel TV 7. Now, one more thing about regional MMA, if you will. Um, some big news just came through the wire right as we were about to uh, start the show. And we'll get to the phone calls in a second. It's not so much regional. It's actually a very big deal in our sport. Uh, got a press release, World Series of Fighting and NBC, uh, NBC Sports Network signed multi-year partnership to deliver live World Championship Mixed Martial Arts programming. Um, They signed a three-year deal. And from what I understand, this isn't a time-by like the first event back in November. The next event, WSOF 2, will be held at the Revel Resorts and Casino in Atlantic City. You may recall UFC on FX4 was held there Saturday, March 23rd, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, the agreement calls for a minimum of six live events annually on the national television platform that reaches over 80 million homes. Additionally, later this year, NBCSports.com will live stream World Series of Fighting Events via TV everywhere. Well, that's big news. WSOF, you, you may have heard, they've signed some guys like Palofilio, They've signed some guys like uh, Dan Lozon. They have guys like Andre Arlovsky and Rumble Johnson and Tyrone Spung three-year deal with NBC Sports Network. Hopefully, it's a good one financially for them. And uh, they did pretty... They got around 200,000 viewers. Their first event with zero promotion. I mean, zero promotion. That was a time-by. Todd Harris, Bas Rudin were on the mic. Uh, it, it was a nice little show, and I look forward to seeing what they, what they uh, do in the future. And... I wish them congrats on the new deal. Very good. Okay, so uh, let us move along now. Before we get to the Rick's Picks Challenge, let us go to the phone calls and welcome in all the way from Australia. And I think it is like 6 a.m. or something there. Uh, we've got Lawrence in Australia. Lawrence, are you there?
9: Uh, yes, can you hear me?
1: Yes, where are you calling from?
9: Um, Darwin, Australia now. It's 5 a.m. in the
1: morning. Geez, Louise, what are you doing up?
9: Well, I'm a big fan of the show, and I rarely get to um, – this is the first time I've ever watched it live, so I thought I'd um, make the effort and um, call up and see how you're going.
1: Well, which part of Australia are you calling from?
9: Uh, Darwin.
1: Oh, okay. It's
9: um, one of the smallest cities. It's sort of um, right in the middle of the country, right at the top.
1: Now, you're not actually calling from Boston, and you're just an Australian living in Boston, right?
9: No, no, Darwin, Australia. No, no, Darwin.
1: I'm, I'm making a joke. It, it was a joke. Just because you have the oh. accent, people would. Uh, but no, I, I love Australia. I was blown away by it when I was there for UFC 127, blown away by the people. Actually, you reminded me a lot of uh, Canadians, like, uh, like, like my home country. So I appreciate the call. What's on your mind?
9: Um, well, first off, you know, um, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't make it out for um, either of the UFC on FXs. I'm sorry. That's right. But um, <laughs> I was just calling up about um, uh, Frankie uh, Edgar versus Aldo, mm-hmm. and um, just wondering how you scored the fight.
1: Well, I scored it forty-eight to forty-seven for Aldo. Um, again, I thought it was close. I can understand why two of the judges gave it forty-nine to forty-six for uh, Aldo. I think forty-eight forty-seven is 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 more accurate. It was close. I don't think it was controversial. Um, I think you know. Edgar had his moments but I I don't think you can walk away from that and say that Edgar was robbed or deserves an immediate rematch. How did you score it?
9: Uh, um, I scored it um what was it 47 47-46. 47-46.
1: So, um, you know, well, you...
9: gave Aldo the f- um I scored through the first 3 to Aldo and the last 2 to Frankie. Yeah, but but uh, sorry, forty forty eight, forty seven.
1: Yeah, forty eight, forty seven. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, that 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 seems to be the third round. Seems to be the the questionable round, right? And kind of funny, the third round uh, between Dotson and Demetrius Johnson last week was the questionable one. And uh, uh, Anthony Pettis, I think it was Anthony who said it on this show. Maybe it was Duke Rufus. Aldo, you know, got a little slower as as the fight went on. Maybe it was the weight cut. I don't know. But my question to you is. Since we agree, do you like Frankie Edgar better at 145 or 155?
9: Um, I'd have to say, you know, I'd probably prefer him better at 145. But, you know, I think he's going to be – he's unlucky. I don't think he's – he's always going to be in that top tier. He could probably beat most of the other guys in the division. But whenever he comes up against the Benson Hendersons and Jose Aldo's where he has his trouble in these close decisions. So I feel sorry for him. after coming so close so many times and having so many title title shots in a row. But, yeah, so I think I prefer him at 145, but I think he's still a top three in both, you know?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's amazing for a guy to lose three in a row and still it feels like his stock, like you'd put him top three, top two in lightweight and featherweight now.
9: Oh, definitely, yeah. Now, um, also, I was going to um, ask you about um, the heavyweight division. Like, uh, when you were just talking on previous shows about how you really want Velasquez and Cormier, and I sort of wasn't really, in, I was sort of interested in that fight, but wasn't really thinking much of it because of, you know, they're the same, they're training partners and everything. And Alistair Overeem was in the background. What do you, what do you see now happening at, at heavyweight now that Overeem obviously has been beaten?
1: You know, it's very, it's very tough. I mean, as I said on Fuel, that was an expensive loss for the UFC, and it, it really was the same kind of situation as the Michael Bisping loss to, to Vitor Belfort because it's weird, and, and someone brought this up to me on Saturday. It feels like we keep getting these fights where a guy is like one win away from getting a title shot, and we almost overlook the fight, and then they lose. I mean, it's happened in the middleweight division. It happened now in the heavyweight division. It's, it's Now, I mean, there's no clear-cut guy. Do you do the trilogy fight with Junior Dos Santos? You're still there, right, Lawrence?
3: Yep, yep, oh, right. still here. Yeah.
1: Um, you do, do you do the trilogy fight with Junior Dos Santos? I would like to see JDS fight one more time at least to build himself back up, create some buzz for that, then throwing him right back in there. I think JDS versus Overeem... Um, I mean, that's the fight that everyone wanted to see when JDS was still the champion. It was supposed to happen at 146 before Overeem didn't get licensed. Or JDS versus uh, Josh Barnett, I think, would make a a hell of a lot of sense as well. Um, So uh, I found the culprit. Just one second. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, So you, you still hear me, right? Okay, so uh, I think JDS versus Barnett would would make sense as well. Then you look at the rest of the contenders. Well, I think if Fabricio Verdun wasn't fighting Big Nog in Brazil in June, Verdun versus Cain Velasquez makes a lot of sense. Uh, It's a fun fight stylistically, but he's booked. Um, Who else is there? Roy Nelson's booked. I mean, who else is there? There's only one guy that's there that I think truly makes sense. DC, he's fighting Frank Mir. They keep saying, they keep getting mad at me for bringing it up, but stylistically you can't tell me that's not the most interesting fight out there for Kane. They say it's not going to happen. Other than that, I'm lost. No one comes to mind. How about you?
9: Yeah, well, I have to say the the same thing. You know, there's not really anyone there, so it's either Kane sits out for a while and waits, or Dana White, you know, makes it worth their while to, to fight each other, I guess, you know?
1: Well, it seems like it's either Kane waits or they do the JDS fight because here's like a, a random top ten, right? Kane, okay. Uh, JDS, who we talked about. Fabricio, who's fighting Big Nog in June. Cormier's fighting um, Cormier's fighting uh, Frank Mir in April. Bigfoot just won, and he was annihilated by Kane back in May of last year. Frank Mir is fighting DC, and I think if Frank wins, I don't think a lot of people want to see him fight for the belt again. Overeem just lost. Big Nog is fighting Verdum, as we said. Nelson is fighting Congo, April 27th. And then there's the the sort of um, uh, X-Factor heavyweight fight out there. Stefan Struve versus Mark Hunt. But does a win over Struve or does a win over Hunt equal a title shot? I'm not sure. So they're in a tough spot.
9: Yeah, no, I completely agree. But I definitely have to say that I prefer I'd, um, rather JDS and Overeem fight each other. I think yeah. that's a great fight. I'd love to to watch that. So, But if you do that one, I suppose it takes out a couple of the guys. So, yeah, like you said, either Velasquez waits or they get one of these other wild cards in to, to fight him.
1: And I don't know if – I mean, um, they don't have yep. a, a UFC tonight over in Australia, but I will have an interview with Cain Velasquez. I did speak to him after – the uh, the fight on Saturday. You'll hear some of his thoughts. I think the the clip will be online afterwards, so uh, look out for that.
9: Uh definitely. Now I've just got um one last question for you. Sure. Um, just about the UFCs and stuff coming into Australia. Now, after the the success, the, the first couple they had here, like the the UFC one ten, and um, um can't remember what the second one was. Uh, but, you 127. Know, they had those um, yeah, you know, record one twenty seven. That's it. Yep. But they had the, all the record ticket sales and you know they sold out so quickly. And they followed it up with two sort of smaller um FX cards, which, you know, didn't do as well. I think the Sydney one had about seven thousand people and the one on the Gold Coast had I think four and a half thousand. Why do you think the do you think we'll see another um big card, another main event UFC over here or? Do you think it's the time difference that might um, stop them from doing it? Or what's the. I think the you are starting you to
1: see. There? I think this is what you're starting to see from the UFC. The pay per views, I think they want to keep them domestic. Um, for whatever reason, I don't really understand this, but it seems like when they put on a pay per view from an international venue far away, big time difference, for whatever reason, people get confused and they don't buy the show. I don't know why. Um, So I think what you're starting to see is the fuel cards. I mean, look at the the first two fuel cards of the year. Actually, the first three, London, Japan, Sweden. The first FX card of the year, Brazil. I think what you're going to start to see is pay-per-views in North America, US, Canada, FX fuel cards overseas.
9: That's uh, a little little disappointing, I guess, because you know, especially after watching, I went and watched the first first two um, UFCs live, and just the, the names and stuff you saw, and just watching the cards after that, they were still still good cards. I still enjoyed them, but you know, you just should have...
1: Did you go to all know, of them? Just, you big, all the, the, did
9: you go uh, to all the? No, not. I didn't go to one. I didn't go to one ten. I went to one twenty seven and the the um, Alves versus Campman, and also um, Soderopolis Pearson. Sure. So been, I didn't go to the first one.
1: Alves, uh, excuse me. It just
9: me. seemed as though the.
1: Uh, go, yep. ahead, go ahead, go
9: ahead. And I was just saying that um, UFC 110, the atmosphere and the you know the the crowd was just because um, he had a sold out stadium and stuff was just way more electric, and I um, enjoyed myself a lot more than the the other two cards, which were sort of a little bit quieter and not quite as rowdy, and you know didn't have quite as big a names, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I I was at 127. I've been to over 50 UFCs now and uh, covering them, and 127 is up there, top five, I mean, maybe even top three as far as the most electric crowds that I've ever experienced, and and, and it took place on a Sunday morning at like 11 a.m. It was crazy. I, I love that crowd. I love the experience. I mean, being in Australia, one of the highlights of my life, um, getting to go there, so... I do agree. I hope they come back often. I hope they bring you guys big fights. They are expanding so rapidly and all over the place that it's hard to to give everyone what they want, but you know, look at this Fuel TV card coming up in uh in less than 2 weeks in London. That is an amazing card. That is an amazing card coming up in London and uh and I think if you get cards like that, it's hard to complain. Uh yeah,
9: definitely. You know, I'm just happy that it's um at least it's coming coming to the country, I guess. Sure. So uh, yeah.
1: Well, I appreciate the call, my um, man, especially yeah. <laughs> so early in the morning. Are you going to go back to bed, or are you just going to start your day now? I'm fascinated by this. Well,
9: actually, well, I'm. Um, I, I don't have internet. I've just moved house, so I don't have internet at my house. So I actually had to come into work. Jesus. So I've been sitting at work since four a.m. So, um, yeah. So this is. I've been um, getting a little bit of stuff done. So
1: you are. I mean, I'm. Bl- I'm touched by this. I'm, I'm blown away. I wish. I don't know what I could do for you, but uh, I. I, I really truly appreciate that. That mean, that means so much to me. Thank you so much.
9: Uh, that's right. Um, thanks for, for for putting me on. And um, yeah, I like what you do. And I'm also um, a bit of a New York Rick fan as well. So Get out of here. Give him
1: some uh, props for me. Get out of here with that. All right. Well, now now I don't like you anymore. <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate the call. Right. Good morning yeah. to you, and uh, have a good Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Ariel. Talk there he is. Later. Lawrence from Australia. That's amazing. Great stuff there. And a nice little segue to, uh, the rich picks challenge. And, and I know, I mean, I've been thinking about this. Uh, I've been, I've been wondering where to go and, and I guess I'll just come out and say it, you know, sh- you know, should we cancel this thing? I mean, is this, is, are you not able to rise? I mean, there was a challenge. You were very, ca- honestly, I'm, I'm being honest. I mean, you look at the records. You look at you know the, the the amount of money being lost at this point. Should we just should we just go back to the old way when people weren't really paying attention? Is the spotlight too much for you? Not bright enough. Not bright. Enough. Bring it on.
0: Yeah, really. Um, no, I mean, are you playing happened. possum? No, 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 no. I'm definitely not playing possum. That was that was a terrible night. Um, that's a, that's the type of thing that can happen. Um, in betting, and that's and that's the type of thing that happens with heavy favorites. Um. It, it's really – you have to bet a lot to win um, a significant amount of money on betty, on heavy favorites. Are we
1: – I mean, I don't know. I'll ask the people here. You let me know on Twitter. Are we even interested in this? I mean, it's, it's, it's like every week we hear more and more of le- the, the, these long, drawn-out um, theories as to how to bet. Yet, this is coming from a guy who went what? What did you go on Saturday? <laughs> um, I got to think. One in four? That might be right, yeah. <laughs> how much money did you lose? 30, 30 total. Now, if you were a real gambler, you probably would have lost a couple hundred. I would but- have lost all a lot more than that. Um, sure, but you only bet like five bucks,
0: right? Well, that's the the reason I only lost that amount is because I'm not betting. I'm not going like everybody else is saying I should, and you know, betting it all on something stupid and then losing it. Um, that's the reason. Even though you know you can be as confident as you are, anything can happen in this sport. That's it's it's a cliche, but it's actually true, as evidenced by um, Saturday night. So you don't want to you don't want to put down all your money and this is I mean everything I've been saying if there's not proof of it this is this was the proof that you don't want to put down more
1: than you than you really should. The reality is that he's being too conservative. It would be more exciting if he'd go all out. All out. That's from Melissa. I mean, I've been saying it for a while. So
0: so do you not agree that let's say I hadn't been as conservative on Saturday night. What what would have ended up happening probably?
1: Well, I mean, uh, we got to start with making the right picks. That this Granted, is, touche. We, we have given you the touche. forum, the platform to show what you got. I gave you the opportunity. You know, how many people would like to be on the MMA beat. And sure, it's not over. You know, it's only. What it ain't it? over. It's February fourth. There's only been three UFCs. But you know, when when I got people here, like my man W.D. Dan CDN saying Ariel Hawani's mom making the picks would be far more entertaining. Um, you know, Perm Logic saying this is a typical Rick struggle of an explanation. I mean, what? What? How do? How do? You know, I I'm here once a week. Am I not giving the people what they want? Rick is babbling. He won't stop unless you make him kill this bit. I mean, what do I do?
0: I mean, that's up to you. You <laughs> might have to shut it down, but I'm still rolling. Oh, really? I'm st- I'm ready. I'm ready. So you're not giving up? No, no. I would never give up. I mean, until until there's zero in the account, I'm not giving up. I mean, the difference is I'm going to have to I'm going to have to make it exciting for the people. I'm going to have to start laying a bigger number down i'm gonna have to pick i think what's gonna happen for this next one is i'm gonna have to pick one one fight and i'm gonna have to put it all on it wow are we talking hole. are
1: we talking 157
0: uh i was thinking 157 but if i see something for fuel then Ooh. it might be fuel because I, I gotta the see the initial plan was you build up the bankroll slowly you make right. you make smart bats and you build up the bankroll slowly but i just ran into i ran into insurmountable odds right now and i gotta i gotta dig myself out what are we at uh 63 dollars and eight cents
1: so is there a chance we could be you know broke come 157 158 there's a chance we could be broke by the next fight if
0: i wow but that that's the that's the chance i was trying to avoid initially but um saturday night definitely did not help was Saturday night almost like your Clay Guida Anthony Pettis and in a way it might be a good thing for you. No, 0% chance that it was a good thing. <laughs> Why? Um you you it was it was one of those nights where a lot of people uh lost their shirt. Um but there were some people who, you know, bet on some underdogs and made a lot of money, I'm sure. Um this was this was just one that you can I couldn't have seen it coming. Um but that's not an excuse. That it's still a loss. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's one of those that happens every once in a while, um,
1: and there's nothing else to say about it.: Someone's saying it's fun seeing New York Rick keep losing fake money. <laughs> keep Rick. Uh, you got to give New York Rick a break. This sport is full of craziness. Give New York Rick a chance, make it 250, not 400.: Well, here, that's the other thing. I
0: saw people you know saying that the number should be lower. At this point, it doesn't really matter, because I'm going nowhere but down right now. Um, so even if it was a more realistic goal, I you know, that's that's not I gotta get back on the winning track. That's the first thing.
1: Sprawl one thirty five comparing you to Frankie Edgar with your your never say die attitude. So it's almost like this adversity is making you much like Frankie Edgar a little more uh a little more likable to the people.
0: I like it. I love being compared but, to
1: that. Uh, but then we have the uh, the mole mole brow saying your excuses are worse than Tito and Rampage put together. So I mean it seems like the people are split. I don't I don't remember making an excuse, but uh, that that
0: might be you know his his view on it. Uh, I feel a rocky story happening.
1: Lay off my man New York Rick. Wow, there we go. The people <laughs> they've spoken. I mean, so so explain to us just so for the record, how did you go one and four on Saturday? Um, I I started off
0: well. I picked uh, Cisco Rivera right to to beat um, who was it uh, Figueroa right, and then I had a parlay that ended real early because I had Volkman in there. There was a parlay I had Volkman. Overeem and Evans and not a single one of those guys won. So it's not like, you know, I lost, I, at first I was pissed because I thought Volkman was a lock and I just blew this parlay. Uh, Bobby green blew this parlay for me, by the way, Bobby green. That was incredible. That was incredible. um, and then it turns out none of those guys won anyway. Um, so that was, there was 15 on that. I lost that. I had 10 down on Fitch. Uh, that one, I, I have no, you know, there's nothing to say about that one. I was completely wrong. Um, Maya came out offensively, took BJ Penn's strategy against, uh, Fitch and dominated him. And there were people who were picking that. So that one, um, all I can say is I was completely wrong on that one. That's not one of those where I was like, oh, I couldn't have seen this coming. That one was, I, I picked the wrong dog in that fight and, um, Maya completely dominated Fitch. Then I also put down five on Overeem and Bigfoot ending in the first round. And then all of a sudden, Overeem comes out and is clinching with him against the cage. I mean, it was just—it was just the weird. It was the craziest night of fights I've ever seen. Um, and I think the last five I had down was another prop bet. Oh, it was Volkman by
1: decision, which c- got completely blown out anyway. Right. Um. Thus, the one and four. Yep. So, at this point, you almost have to.
0: I ha- I have to I have to. Put it down, but uh, like, do
1: you have to start betting random like Bellator, MFC fights? No, I mean, do you just it, have to start? Because because it is till April twenty seventh. You don't have to just stick to UFC. You know? Oh no, I I won uh, a bet on Bellator. All what right. was it? The two weeks ago, right? Um,
0: it comes down to I have to I have to finally do what the people have wanted me to do, which is put it all down and just nut up. Change Rick's picks to Rick's
1: rationalizations. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I think uh, I think I did a pretty good job explaining myself. I'll let the people decide.
1: Let Rick continue to burn all the money up so he will learn his lesson and not quit his day job. (laughs) Um, I don't even know what his day job is. Uh, Tell New York Rick to put all his money on Rousey winning via armbar. Can you even do that? I guess you you can can. do that, but But, uh, that's obvious, right? No one's gonna. The line on that is not gonna pay anything. Yeah, that's a silly one. Carmouche via armbar would be nuts. Yes, it would, but I wouldn't bet on that. Yeah. Wait, I, I, here's another guy saying Rick needs to put it all on Rousey via first round armbar. Why are people saying this? Because it's it's a pretty safe bet. But yeah, but you can make money, right? The you, odds are so... The interfa- odds are, are going to be very Is it possible that people don't know what, what's going on as well?
0: I don't want to say that because <laughs> our fans are very smart and okay. uh, they know exactly what's going on.
1: Yeah, this one guy just said, keep this segment going. Like listening to Rick, it helped me make some cheddar this weekend. How do you make some cheddar off you? Well, um, I don't know. It's it's possible that he didn't do a parlay like me,
0: um, because when I tr- when I try to break down these fights, I don't try to just say, "Oh, Fitch wins, that's it." I'm I'm trying to give you as much information as I possibly can, and if you you know hear something that you disagree with, or you know something that might not make somebody your pick, but might influence your decision, then you know you can go with
1: it. VT seven hundred three nails it. Rick's betting style is like a fighter fighting not to lose instead of fighting to win. Boring the people.
0: That's a that's a good <laughs> style to have.
1: <laughs> oh, this is great. I love it. Uh, King Ying ninety says, Tell him to put all put it all on my man Michael McDonald." What's the line there? Is it out yet? Are you making any picks this week? I don't think the
0: line's out, um, but I. I I mean I'm making picks as soon as I can. So
1: should the resident gambler uh of the show know whether or not the lines are out? What are you ta- are you are you asking me that? Yeah, you should know. I mean that's like your one yeah, job it's
0: not, on the show. It's not out. I just said.
1: Well you said you don't think.
0: Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Ariel, it's not out.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh nothing's out? There's no, nothing? not not for that event. So what, are we taking a a break to gather our thoughts here or what? No. Once that line comes out. There will be no, but I'm saying it. for this weekend, like, okay, what are we looking at? Are we looking at anything? Is there anything that's tickling your fancy? People want to know. Oh, out of the fights, yeah, no, out of the uh, the cooking show that well, you're I mean, it.
0: there's no odds on it, so I can't really do that, but I would say,
1: but there's still MMA to be had this weekend or the, this week. Are, are we looking at it? Is there anything that we should be looking out for? Or is this a bye week for you? No, this is not a bye week. Oh, um, so <laughs> exactly what I'm asking, what are you looking at? Here, let me. We've done this segment before. Is this the first time you've actually paid attention? <laughs> Apparently, I mean, after Saturday, <laughs> that's true. You know, there's there's Bellator this weekend. Schlamenko against Michael Falcao. That doesn't. Yeah, doesn't... I don't think I'm I'm
0: hitting Bellator this weekend. Really, Marlon Sanders? Even though it's not on the weekend, but but you know, it's the same thing. All right, let's let's look at the fight card and and we'll see if there's anything that's playable. Okay, fine. Uh, we've got main event: Henan Barrow. I'd love to hear you, Michael uh, McDonald.
1: Y- you. Oh, oh,
0: we're talking about that. No, we we'll do that next week. So we're just talking about Bellator now. That's I'm just the we're asking, asking about.
1: I just want to know if I'm listening to this show right now. Should I look out for your tweet on Friday or Thursday or Wednesday, making picks, or are you not making any picks this week? That's what I'm asking.
0: Let's. I mean, I don't want to give. I don't want to tip my hand. If there's if there's something I see that's nice, then
1: there will be a pick. Okay. So. Okay, so you're saying there's a chance that you there's may...
0: a, a high chance.
1: Now, when my man Alizo says Rick is the Ben Askren of betting, is that a compliment or is that an insult?
0: I I full everybody who says that I'm point fighting or whatever the analogy
1: is for um the betting, I would not disagree with them. Sorry, my, I have to interrupt, but then he follows up in the next tweet, except ben, <laughs> except Ben Askren keeps winning. <laughs>
0: right. Um that is the goal. The goal is to is to minimize um risk. Uh-huh. Just just like somebody who who is a fighter, you don't wanna you don't wanna maximize your risk by standing with somebody who can knock you out. You want to take them down. So that's it's the same it's the same strategy for betting. And you don't it, you don't go for broke unless you have to.
1: Well, this man Justin Tuar says L O L people saying that New York Rick is playing it safe. His betting style is very aggressive given his well, bankroll. It's true.
0: It, it I bet I lost thirty dollars by betting. I believe it was forty dollars. Um, Betting, I bet almost 50% of what I had. That's a lot of your bankroll.
1: There's no two ways about it. Um, You're getting people that support you. Uh, this guy says, I'm a line manager, whatever that means, and uh, I could tell you that Rick's picks are good. He's a smart guy. Yeah,
0: uh, some people agree, some people disagree. It's going to be a mixed bag, and I welcome all of it. I welcome the haters, the lovers, anything.
1: Yeah. Then you have another guy who says, I'd rather listen to Vitor Belfort talk about God than listen to Rick's betting want to thank my buddy <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so there we are. Nick Rick is the Clay Guida of betting. Who would have thought that'd be an insult? Wow, look at this guy. Five for five. Woodley, Aldo, Green, Benavidez, Maya, on a $10 wager, paid two twenty two seventy. If somebody
0: had put that down, then congratulations to them. They are way better. That,
1: that seemed, those seem like legit bets. Woodley, Aldo. Yeah,
0: but that's a parlay,
1: meaning yeah. you had to
0: be confident in all five of those guys winning, and you had to put your $10 down. Hendo inside
1: the distance plus 400 little preview I do not like Hendo in that fight oh okay he says please so wait does this mean you're going more more parlays
0: no there there will not be another parlay after that last debacle really there,
1: there'll be small
0: parlays but nothing nothing heavy you like mean, I did parlays on this is one. where you can actually like see that's that's what the that's what betting odds make you think is oh i can win so much money and that's what i feel like the misconception is out there that a lot of people think oh he's not betting enough because he's not winning enough but that's not really how it's how it works you have to think of what you're wagering in order to win Hmm. um betting betting parlays is too risky because there's anything can happen anything can happen that is true as we learned on saturday exactly saturday was saturday was the perfect um, example of what I've been talking about, which is you don't want to bet too much, and you don't want to put it all on huge parlays. So to end, we're at how much?
1: 6308 I believe it was. So we are uh, $340 away from our uh, goal. We're quite far. Yeah, but you know what? There's still a lot of events. Seven UFCs left, and a whole bunch of Bellators and whatever else he wants to bet on, he could do it. You find a line out there, bet it. It's not over, still two and a half months away something something to
0: address as well was a lot of people were saying, you know why why don't you bet um, during the night of fights? why don't you live bet hmm. um, That's something I had been thinking about which would possibly be a help would be w- would you like to make that request? Well, you know we could take it under <sighs> see here's advisement. the thing. I was thinking that before Saturday, then mm-hmm. on Saturday, I realized if I had been live betting on Saturday, I would have pressed hard on. Rashad and over. What does live bet mean? Um, Betting during the night of fights. Betting up to the moment. Because I lock in my... Right now, as it is, I lock in my picks on Friday um, after weigh-ins. Right. By live betting, let's say Volkman loses that parlay for me. I realize that I just lost 15, so I put some more money down in order to compensate for that, to make up that money. Okay. Um, It just just gives you more opportunities to win your money back. Uh, For example let's say i just saw overeem lose and i just had like a gut feeling that maybe little nog was going to pull this upset off just because of how crazy the night's been going obviously then you know that's not based in some kind of statistical analysis but just a feeling um then i could have put down something on little nog um during the night of fights
1: I, I i understand now okay well if you if you want to make that that uh I think I think I do. I have to think about it. I I can't make that decision right now. I have to talk to the people and whatnot. And speaking of the people, it's time to start thinking about you know the the person who will go up against you if you do lose this challenge. Toronto MMA says he's a big fan of New York Rick, but he'd like to uh, throw his hat. To go up against him, if he loses, we have to think about how we're going to accept these challenges. I haven't thought about I saw, that yet.
0: I've seen a lot of uh, people wow. calling for my head. So, well, yeah, I don't know how we're going to do. We're it. going to have to set some kind of order yeah. because there's going to be a lot of people coming. All right,
1: but that, I mean, it won't matter in the end because I'm not going to lose. So. Wow. See, for a second there, I thought I, I sensed some uh, lack of confidence. See, I don't talk about the,
0: the R word. I don't. I don't uh, mention that. No, the other one. That means you're giving up.
1: Um, or you're quitting. Oh, retire. Yeah, I don't, I don't okay. mention that one. All right, all right. Well, uh, we like his resolve. We like his determination. We'll have to wait and see. But it was not a good night for New York Rick on uh, Saturday. And I thought, I mean, I gave him the option. I thought he, he wanted to quit. I thought he wanted to retire. I, wa- I thought he wanted to tap out to steal a phrase from our sport. But he is fighting. He continues to fight. And uh, a reminder that the challenge ends April 28th. So he still has, he still has a lot of time. Still has a lot of time. All right, let's move along now and uh, answer some questions and then get the heck out of here. Oh, before I answer some questions, I just want to mention my good friends at Fightmetric. They give me a lot of good stats. And by the way, I, I, I wanted to have someone at Fightmetric to talk about the UFC rankings, which I hope someone asked me a question about because I'd like to uh, briefly touch on them. Fightmetric is behind them. Unfortunately, due to a uh, scheduling conflict, not able to happen this week, maybe next week, but uh, a couple of interesting stats I've, as I've been giving out over the last couple of weeks here on the show, courtesy of Fightmetric. Damien Maia versus John Fitch featured zero takedown attempts from Fitch. It's the first fight to go the distance in Fitch's UFC career that didn't include at least one takedown attempt from Fitch. Maia scored seven takedowns of his own against Fitch, matching the most Fitch had ever given up in a UFC fight. He tied GSP seven takedowns against Fitch, um, that were earned in a five-round fight. That's amazing. You want to say something? Nope. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to give you one more. There was one about uh, Frankie Edgar that he that he scored two takedowns against Aldo, which was a record. Um, that was very interesting. But where is the one that I wanted to give? Uh, he gave me a lot i'm not going to read through all of them uh, i'll give you bobby green since he looks so amazing bobby green's rear naked choke victory over jacob volkman at 425 in the third round was the third latest stoppage in a three-round fight in ufc light ha- uh, lightweight history the second latest was cole miller sub of george gergel at ufc uh, 86 the latest was bj penn's finish of sean shirk at the five minute mark of round three of ufc 84 how the hell do they know that kind of thing that's just crazy Anyway, Bobby Green was amazing. Dana White was loving him. He was doing the Triple H spit. He was flying into the cage. He was talking to Joe Rogan in the middle of the fight. A virtuoso performance by the King Bobby Green. Blew up on Twitter. Great job by him. Uh, Congratulations on the win. And we never got to find out what Jacob Volkman's post-fight interview was going to be about. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Let's go to the questions.
0: Okay, our first question. From the website, first oh, yeah. four from the website.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Considering how easily Demi and Maya seem to be able to disable the wrestling of John Fitch, what should stop us from thinking that he, based on the stylistic matchup, can be seen as the number one guy in the welterweight division to possibly dethrone GSP in the near future?
1: Well, I'll throw this to you. You said to me before the show that he, uh, in your opinion, is the most interesting, toughest opponent for GSP at 170, right? I think I, most
0: interesting for sure. Um and I think that it there's two ways that fight could play out. It could either be Demi and Maya is the cream of the crop at 170 and is gonna present something that GSP has not seen before, or it could turn out to be um similar to the Shields fight where it just turns into a boxing match and GSP um ultimately wins a decision on his feet. But I think that Maya is just the way that his 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 attitude, his aggressive streak that he's shown at 170, um, makes him the most interesting fight for GSP because he can bring the fight to GSP and try and take him down with those trips that are incredibly effective. Um, he's pretty much taken down everybody he's faced um, in the UFC. And the other thing is, if GSP gets on top of him, we obviously know that Maya's guard is incredible and he'll be able to um, attack from the bottom. The, but the thing that I will say is that it could turn into a boxing match, and a, and I would favor GSP heavily in that. But I think that he's definitely the most interesting matchup for GSP at 170, f- closely followed by Johnny Hendricks.
1: I was blown away. I was blown away by his performance to do that against John Fitch. By the way, and I hate usually saying this, but top five nicest guys in the sport. I mean, Damian Maya is. I mean, you you don't you don't even know how nice this guy is. He's just such a nice, sweet guy always a pleasure to see him um, and watch him fight and he has looked great at 170 um three and 0 since going down to 170 since you know july when he had that freak fight against kim beats story now fitch i would like to see him fight the winner of condit versus mcdonald and i think if he wins that fight he's a number one contender if Hendricks beats ellenberger he should fight for the belt and then i think maya is right there he's you know, he kept bringing up in an interview and even off camera Tarek Safadine. That seemed to interest him, but I think he's he's past Safadine. Um, and that's no disrespect to Safadine. I just think, you know, Safadine maybe needs to win one or two um, after a great performance over Nate Marquardt to fight a guy like Damian Maia. So I, I think he's past Safadine, but I, I was blown away by him. To do that against John Fitch, to outfitch John Fitch, he has looked great at 170. So. I don't know if we could say he's the the guy just yet to dethrone GSP, but he is a new, interesting player at 170. And again, I I really don't think that Damian Maya gets the respect that he deserves. I mean, look what he did to Chael Sonnen. You know, he went the distance with Anderson. I know it was a freak fight. He's beaten some tough guys, now beating guys at 170. He's very good. He's a very good guy. Very good fighter.
0: He, He took out Stun Gun, Chael, um fitch these are some of the best wrestlers yeah. in the sport um and he completely just controlled them
1: um incredible and just a correction from fight metric regarding bobby green it's actually the second um not the third latest a lightweight fight has ended so there you go even more impressive for bobby green thank you to fight metric for that all right let us uh, move along our next question which you semi-addressed already did you ever find out what Jacob Volkman would have said if he won against Bobby Green? I didn't. I didn't get to see Jacob. And, uh, by the way, I, uh, I noticed for the first time in a long time, no Jacob Volkman shirt on the desk here. Why not? Let's just say I'm not too, I'm not too pleased with uh, Jacob Volkman. Right so now. I, now I'm starting to think that you're sending messages by what you do on the desk here. Like last week, no Ariane. I mean, Ariane has been nowhere to be found uh, over, the, over the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm noticing more toys, which I like, but no Jacob Volkman here. This is your way of telling people that you're not happy with them, right? <laughs> not quite, but um, in this case, it'll be next. It'll be
0: back next week, but this week, I think uh, I need a I need a mourning period yeah, before no. he
1: returns. And uh, we see the Helwani nose shirt over there. I'm being told February 20th uh, ish, Helwani nose coming to a uh, a closet near you. So there you have it. We don't know about. Uh, what Jacob wanted to say, I guess we'll have to wait for his next fight. Our next question, Ariel: Will you be getting a vote as a media member
0: oh, as yes. far? Okay, no, no. As Go far ahead. as the new UFC rankings are concerned, and if so, um, or not, strangely worded. Could you talk on the process? Which media will be voting? Hopefully, it's the MMA journalists we all follow.
1: Well, there are 90 MMA journalists a part of this new UFC rankings uh, committee, if you will. They announced it on uh, Thursday. And yes, I am proud to say that I was uh, invited, and I, I will be taking part in it. I have to give rankings anyway for SB Nation's rankings. I had to do it for many years. Um, with Versus NBC NBCSports.com. And I would always say that I don't really like rankings. I feel weird ranking people. I mean, just look at the light heavyweight rankings. Light heavyweight rankings are a mess. As I mentioned to Phil Davis, I mean, he beat uh, Alexander Gustafson, um, beat Noguera, Noguera beats Evans, Evans beat uh, Davis, Gustafson beats Shogun, Bader beat Rampage, lost to Tito Ortiz. I mean, it's all weird. So uh, it's very hard they mean nothing at the end of the day, but the UFC is doing it. And I was shocked that people were so up in arms, fellow media members, just like, you know, and even fans, conflict of interest, um, you know, some deciding not to do it. I thought about it. I mean, I take that stuff very seriously. And if someone's going to ask my rankings, my UFC rankings, we're not pretending these are the MMA rankings. So, of course, guys in Bellator, Michael Chandler, Pat Curran, they won't be ranked. They're UFC rankings. The UFC is going out to fight metric who I trust and I think are very professional and ethical and all that stuff. They're the third party. They're putting it all together. And you have to be kidding yourself if you don't think this is coming from Fox. You know, people get rankings. People understand rankings. This is what they can show on the broadcast. I think what it does is it creates a headache for the Joe Silvas and Sean Shelbys of the world because now, let's say you have a guy like, I don't know, Ryan Bader, and he's above Gegar Musasi, and Musasi beats Gustafsson, and then he's the number one contender, let's say, and then you get into contract negotiations. Hey, I'm five, and this guy's seven, and he's fighting this. Chelsea Sonnen's fighting the, the champion. He's not ranked, blah, blah, blah. It, it will be used against them in the future, no doubt about it. But I think it's a nice little thing that people have been asking for from the UFC. But again, these aren't the UFC's rankings. These aren't the UFC's rankings. This is not Joe Silva and Dana White and Sean Shelby telling you who's one, two, three, four, five. This is the media coming together, um, the UFC facilitating it, Fight Metric facilitating it. And this is who 90 people think. Now, I would love to know who these 90 people are. We don't know. But I looked at the FAQ on their website. And uh, one of the, the, the statements was, or one of the, the questions, I don't know why it disappeared here, but I wrote it down somewhere because I, wa- I wanted to make sure that I that I answered this because a lot of people are asking me about it. Essentially, it said that uh, will the public be able to see my individual rankings? Yes, the fan community will be able to view rankings belonging to each individual panelist. So that makes me think that you will eventually get to see who's on the committee, committee and who's ranking who. Um, the first poll, if you will, was open after 156, and it closed at 3 a.m. this morning. I was traveling, Super Bowl. I actually missed it, to be honest with you. Um, and it will be open again after the next event, Fuel 7. I kind of like gives give us a little more time, I think, but whatever. Um, and uh, I think they will be made available to the public at some point. I see some rankings up here, but I don't know if those are public just yet. Um, I, I have no problem with it. I No one's paying us to do this. Um, the UFC said, Dana said, you know, he may not even look at it. They'll still do whatever they want. It's just a way for people to go online and see, okay, this is what the media says. No different, in my opinion, than the BCS. Way less influential than the BCS. You know, these guys aren't going to fight each other based on what we rank. So I think people, in my opinion, are – whoever is, you know, hating on it, I think they're they're making it, making it out to be way too big of a deal. But if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. I'm happy to do it. I have to do it anyway. So I just have to send it to someone else.
0: This is our last one. Word on the street is that the Helwani – oh, I'm sorry. The Helweeny ran loose on the basketball court over the weekend – I was taking it to some fools. Let's hear your picks for most valuable player other than yourself and wow. least valuable player of the game.
1: Listen, I, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to pat himself on the back or start talking about his own skills. Sure, you know, and I don't know if you guys know this, but New York Rick is on my um, intramural, I guess you can call it, basketball team here in New York. Sure, I hit a four-point play last week, and uh, you know, maybe single-handedly brought us back, and you know my back was hurting after because I carried the team and whatnot and hit a five or six threes. But it's not my nature to talk about things like that. You know, we did have a basketball game in in Vegas with MMA media, um, and it was fun. We lost. The East lost. We lost two games to one. I was the captain, I guess, of the East team. Um, the West team, which was you know a bunch of Vegas media guys like uh, Adam Hill, uh, Brett Okamoto. Uh, Lazy the Savage, uh, Matt Radmanovic of the UFC. Who else was on uh, the West team? Uh, I'm drawing some blanks here. Uh, Case Kiefer. Uh, So anyway, there there, there were some uh, Vegas or West Coast media, and they were talking some serious smack after the game. Oh, Eric Fontenaz talking some smack after the game, like they had just done something spectacular. If I knew that we were going to talk so much smack, I would have taken the game a lot more serious as uh, would of my team my team featured Dave Debert um, from Canada uh, who else did we have uh, Randy Harris Jeff Wagenheim uh, Chuck Mindenhall um, so you know we had a nice little team um, you know we, we we faltered down the stretch um, I think Dave played fantastic from Saskatchewan he was great in the post and I think that I guarantee if we play next time we would win you know, we were just having fun out there.
0: Sounds, I don't know. We might have to reevaluate this. It sounds like you're making excuses. Ariel. No,
1: no, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that uh, you know it was just a nice little run on a Friday morning, a nice sweat, and uh, we were just having fun. Now, I can't confirm nor deny your 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 report of me breaking ankles. I'm just going to say <laughs> that we lost. That's it. Tough. We could have maybe used you, but you're not an MMA media member, so I don't even know if. Yeah um you could have been well you could be if you win the challenge that's true
3: yeah
0: um all right now we're moving on to our twitter questions okay this is for
1: the john jones round five figurine That's not gonna work okay here we go what is this your rick's picks they can't see that relax oh, okay I, I i mean now it's just pouring salt in your own wounds Our first question.
0: Who do you think Maya should fight next, Condit McDonald or Hendrix Ellenberger
1: winner? Well, you haven't been paying attention because I said I think Maya should fight the winner of Condit McDonald. I'll have you know that these questions are selected before. Well, you know, then you got to go with the flow. You got to recognize. I I said that maybe 20 minutes ago. Uh, Maya, if, uh, no, it doesn't matter. Condit McDonald, I want him to fight Maya. And Hendrix, if he wins, he should fight for the title.
0: Our next question. Maya made a good point that the judges should use 10-7 and 10-8 mm. scores. Do you think this would make for better decisions or worse decisions? I mean, I like it.
1: How? I mean, come on. Those, uh, there had to have been... By the way, is this like 500 Days of Summer, this background here? Looks that way. Weird. I did like that movie very much. There was a stretch where it was always on TV and I watched it over and over again. Um, I mean, how? Uh, there had to have been at least a 10-8 in there. You know, people don't—the judges don't give out enough 10-8s. And then sometimes they give out weird ones when it doesn't really feel like it's 10-8. They never give out 10-7s. I remember Dana saying after the Gray Maynard versus Frankie Edgar fight that it was like a unicorn. A 10-7 was like a unicorn in our sport. Um, So, yeah, I I think they should give them out more, but, you know, if they are warranted, not just for the sake of giving them out. Again, I'll say it. I don't think the 10-point must system makes any sense for MMA. It's not clear what a 10-8 is as opposed to boxing, it doesn't work in my opinion. But, hey, I'll say this about Nevada. Other than the wacky Bobby Green stand-up, they had a pretty good night. They rebounded nicely from 155, so at least they got it right. It, it shouldn't be us celebrating when judges do their job correctly, but they did correctly, and I celebrated.
0: I think I think that 10-8 and 10-7 should be used um, more, obviously, for sure. But I think that the problem is just the judges don't know how to do much of anything, right?
1: They don't know how to do anything. You're right. I mean, uh, come on. Standing up, Bobby Green. um, If it was up to me, put Herb and Big John and just rotate them every fight. Our next
0: question. After Bigfoot's upset, where does he go from here? Is he destined to be a gatekeeper? Or who's next? JDS? Josh Barnett?
1: Well... I don't think JDS is next coming off a win like that. Again, I'd like to see the the JDS um Overeem fight. Josh Barnett's interesting. Yeah, you know, I said on Fuel Barnett versus JDS, but now I think it makes more sense JDS Overeem. So Bigfoot Josh Barnett, I like that. I actually like that a lot. Looking at the heavyweight, you know, the 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 list of contenders, again, Doom, Busy, Cormier Busy, um Frank Mir Busy, Big Nog Busy, Roy Nelson Busy, Struve Busy, Mark Hunt, busy. I mean, he could wait for those guys, of course. You know, Hunt, Struve, that's coming up. You know, it, it, okay, final answer. If Barnett signs, I'll take it. If not, winner of Struve Hunt. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, Roy Nelson versus Bigfoot would be my number one choice, but he's busy fighting Congo. It's an okay fight, but Roy Nelson, Bigfoot gets me more excited.
0: Our next question, would the ending of Silva Overeem have gone horribly wrong if somebody
1: else was, refere- well, was refereeing? I, I think Joe Rogan said it himself. Imagine Kim Winslow was in there, and I would not put a pass, Nevada. Imagine Kim, Kim Winslow was in there as, as Bigfoot is on an unconscious uh, Overeem on top of him yelling at him. I mean, that was an unbelievable sight to have a guy like that you know, yelling at him. And then that tweet after, I must admit, was quite clever as he said, who's the king of Miami? Overeem's the alligator and he's the the master. Um, yeah, I mean, didn't didn't Kim Winslow ref Barry Del Rosario? Pretty sure she did. Maybe. Pretty sure she did, and we were wondering why she refing Barry Del Rosario. I, I'm pretty. sure I'm almost a hundred percent sure she did. Someone let me know if I'm right, but I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, this has nothing to do with sex. I mean, if it was a small guy, it shouldn't be in there. But it was was the right call to have Herb Dean in there because that was pretty intense. So it could have gone wrong for sure. Is Bigfoot's KO of Overeem the best
0: example of karma for overlooking your opponent slash eating horse meat in UFC
1: history? Um, You know, I was talking to someone about horse meat this weekend. I believe it is legal to eat it cooking and all that stuff in uh in Canada so I can't I don't want to be hypocritical with my Canadian flag here over over my left shoulder um but yeah it did seem look a lot of people were mad at me uh that I interjected myself excuse me in the him interview you know he wasn't very friendly and his people around me were confirming this uh all week long he was just a little I don't know if it was cocky I don't know if it was focused I don't know if it was you know um just in the zone or whatever, but it was a different over him this week. Um, and people going into the cage, they said he looked cocky, he had his hand up. I mean, I think that's over him. I think it was not the smartest move to have your hands down um, against someone like Bigfoot and the game plan Rick talked about. I mean, that's his game plan, whatever. But yeah, it, it did seem like he was not quite himself. Um, so I don't know if it's karma or whatnot, but it was an amazing fight. It was an amazing moment. That, that was a... I mean, to see Overeem get roughed up like that is, you know, after what he's done as of late is quite surreal. So, I mean, after that, I felt like he needed a nap. I felt like I, needed, I wanted to curl up in a ball and just, like, eat chips. Unfortunately, we had two more fights to go, and I had to do a lot more work. But uh, it, it was exhausting watching that. Our next question.
0: Hi, Ariel. I'm not sure people want to talk about this. But I do. Did hmm. Joe Rogan coach Bobby Green to victory at UFC 156?
1: I don't think so. I mean, Rogan was doing his job, and and Bobby Green hurt him. Um, it was it was an interesting moment. Uh, he, you know, he was he was saying what Bobby needs to do, and that's what's brilliant about Joe Rogan. I was actually talking to a friend of mine yesterday who said that Joe Rogan was one of the stars of 156. I can't hear all the the commentary, but uh, he was saying that Rogan was just on point, almost predicting. What was going to happen before it happened, and he was just saying what Bobby needed to do. Um, so, and, and Bobby heard him, and it was a great moment where he was like, "Okay, Mr. Rogan, I'll do that." Um, if you didn't watch our interviews, the one on MMAfighting.com, and even the one for Fuel, where it was a lot shorter, but he talked about retiring the 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 the, the hood fighting style, and now it's poetry in motion. Bobby Green is a great character. I'm very happy that he's finally getting the respect that he deserves and the attention that he deserves. It seemed like he was fighting on the non-televised prelims of Strike Force for so long, which you know is kind of like a black hole. Um, and now to do that, it seems like he's Dana's new you know, new Brad Pickett, his new favorite fighter, the way he was glowing about him. So back to the question, I don't think anything you know, naughty was done. He just overheard him. It was quiet. It was a slow-arriving crowd, and who knows if it helped him, but it, it was a fun moment. Nothing fishy though.
0: Our next question. Do you think Rashad Evans should consider retirement after
1: this weekend? I feel he's lost the drive to fight. You know, when he told me earlier this week that, uh, or last week, earlier last week that uh, after the Jones fight, he was thinking about retirement, and that always scares me when I hear that from a fighter or any kind of athlete, anyone in general. When you have one foot out the door and you bring it back in, It's scary. I mean, you wonder, is the fire there? Are you doing everything that you can do in training and all that? Are you pushing yourself? I don't think he's going to retire. I think there are still some fights out there for him. But, you know, he lost a big opportunity. Um, Even if he would have won that fight, I don't think he would have gotten the the Anderson fight. He lost the fight. Um, You know, again, back to the rankings. I mean, where do you put him? I think I had him down to like nine or 10 after that. Uh, a very uninspired performance, and um, I, I still think there's a place for Rashad. I still think he's very exciting, but you know his last two losses, Jones and and this one, so you know everyone's losing to Jones now. And and I still would like to see him fight the, you know the Musasis and the, you know the, the the Gustafsons, all those guys. I mean he's up there. Maybe a Shogun? How about a Shogun fight next? That makes sense, right? They're both coming off losses. That's a great fight. I'm going to go with Shogun. Let's see. If that doesn't bring it out in him, I don't know what would. So uh, I still think there's, there's, there's a place for Rashad. He hasn't taken big shots. You know, he's, he's not that old, um, but maybe some time off will, will help him. And this coming off a long break for him, so maybe another long break.
0: That'd be a good fight, Shogun and Rashad. That's a great It, w- fight. it would bring it full circle. That was the title fight that he had to pull out of, that John Jones um, yep. stepped in. That is the title.
1: Cer- yeah, You're right. You're right. Five weeks notice or so. That'd be great. That would be great.
0: Our next question, should the UFC eliminate these number one contender fights where only one fighter is eligible for a title shot if he wins?
1: Not really, because it happens. I think what's happening in, in this day and age in the UFC, there are so many shows. And again, I thought the, the, the Bisping fight didn't need to happen. I think people would have you know, bought the idea of Bisping as a number one contender um, you know, after the Stan win, even though he was just coming off a loss. And I think people would have bought the idea of Overeem as a contender without having to fight Bigfoot Silva. There are a lot of shows. You need big names. This is going to happen. It's going to happen a lot. Get used to it. Um, and and it's, it's a roll of the dice for the UFC. And that's just, that's just the bottom line. It's a roll of the dice, and it's not working out, but it makes things interesting. It, it throws things up in the air, and it lets us play matchmakers. So they'll be all right. At the end of the day, things will work out. We don't get Overeem Kane. Guess what? In my opinion, Overeem JDS is a way more interesting, intriguing fight. So maybe it all works out.
0: This one's a little bit of a comment, but
1: also a question. Yes, I like
0: comments. Ricardo Lamas has won four straight uh, fights. Two were the former num- number one contenders, the people that he beat, and he finished them. That has to be considered. I suppo- You
1: know, this is about the sure. uh, Pettis sure. situation. By the way, I love this. That you just you know, tagged Lamas, had the hashtag, not sent to you or I. Very nice. Very nicely done here. Um, and, and a nice job finding it as well. Ricardo Lamas tweeted on Saturday night, you know, what am I, a mirage? And I can sympathize with him. I feel bad for guys. This is happening a lot. Someone in another division is coming down and and getting the shot before you. You know, Lamas is up there. I think right now you'd have to say Edgar is number two, Mendez number three. Lamas actually just gave in my rankings. Do you want to hear them? I just sent them in to SB Nation. Um, Do people care about this? I'm not sure, but I'll read them anyway here they are i had aldo one edgar two mendez three ricardo Lamas four korean zombie five poirier six pat curran seven air coke eight Cub swanson nine dennis Seaver ten guida hioki off the list um so yeah i think korean zombie if it's not Pettis, we'll get the title shot, despite the fact that I have Lamas above him. And maybe we'll see Lamas versus the winner of Mendez gamburian coming up. Maybe we'll see lamas Seaver. There's also the Poirier-Swanson fight coming up. Very interesting time in the featherweight division. But yes, if I'm Lamas, I'd be pissed.
0: Next question. Why is the Struve-Hunt winner not involved
1: in the discussion for T- Kane's next opponent? I see a lot of people are, are upset at me for, for not mentioning Struve earlier. I did mention that. I, I said, well, I, at least for Bigfoot, I just, I'm not sure. You know, Struve is coming off Stipe win. And prior to that, you know, he beat uh, LeVar Johnson. Prior to that, he beat um, Dave Herman. And he's on a nice run. You know, he he still has the loss to Travis Brown, which, you know, is out there. Brown lost to Bigfoot. I mean, that, that's the weird thing about these rankings these days. Hunt, you know, I love watching Mark Hunt, but is that a good styles matchup for him? Hunt versus Kane? I don't know. Um, I think the winner of that fight could be one or two away, and that's a great fight. I love that card in Japan, Fuel TV 8. I'd like to see the winner of this fight fight Bigfoot if they don't sign sign Josh Barnett. That's that's pretty much where I stand on that.
0: This is an interesting one. I I didn't verify this, so maybe you can help me out. Wow, weird. Wow. The last 14 title fights at 170 and lighter have been decisions. Is this why the heavier divisions are more popular? And he has a
1: hashtag that says, fighting too safe. Mm. Okay, well, we don't know. We're just throwing out stats here, but we're not verifying them. That's how we do it on the show. Um, uh, Wait, wait, wait. Aldo Mendez, 145, this off the top of my head, was a knockout. Have there been 14 title fights? Below 170 since last January? I'm not sure about that. Def- I mean, there's no way, right? Right. So this is wrong. Next. This is a wrong, is a wrong stat. It'd be funny if it was right. <laughs> but isn't that amazing that I was able to go into the memory bank that quickly and, and pull that out? Well, I mean, you could also just get your hook
0: up at uh, Fight Metric over there. You could just...
1: Yeah. Get sent If my my buddy at Fightmetric is listening, let me know what's the gap there. Is it really 14 fights or less? Surely there have been a lot in a row, but I don't know if it's 14. This is our last question. All
0: right. Recently, Dana White said that all fight camps are a business. Do you agree with this? It's a very
1: interesting comment, and I asked him uh, about the the Black Zillion thing because Bigfoot brought it up in the press conference saying that the Black Zillions are just a business. They're not a family like ATT. And I asked Dana in the post-fight scrum... Do you agree with this? And he said, don't kid yourself. All camps are a business. You know, it's a business in Albuquerque with Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn. It's a business at TriStar, et cetera, et cetera. Are they a business? Yes. I mean, technically, they are a business because, you know, they're making money and they support their families and they make a living this way. But it could still be a family as well. I mean, you can't tell me that Duke Rufus, who was on this show right here, you know, just an hour ago, telling me about you know crying after Eric Koch was knocked out and having to go back and the conflict of emotions and whatnot. So it's a business, yes, but the UFC is a business, and Dana cares about it. Um, I think what he's trying to say is, don't get so caught up in this teammate versus teammate and family stuff. At the end of the day, these guys want to win. They want to be champions. They want to have legacies. They 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 want to make the most that they can. This is prize fighting, and maybe that you know plays into Kane versus DC. Although they keep saying no, although Dana keeps saying that no one has told him no, so it's it's a little confusing. But um, I think we will start to see an evolution in MMA fight camps, and you know maybe it'll be more like boxing, where it's just one guy and he surrounds himself with the people he needs for that camp, as opposed to just being sort of a cog in the wheel and just being surrounded by you know, a bunch of other guys fighting for an upcoming fight, and maybe you get injured, et cetera, et cetera. So fight camps like media, like the sport in general, it's all evolving. Um, but, yeah, it is a business. They make money. You know, Greg Jackson has his own sponsor. Fares hobby has his own sponsor, personal sponsor. These guys are making money. They're doing it to survive. I'm not, um, you know, begrudging them for that, but it is what it is, as Dana White likes to say. Let's call it like we see it. So there you have it. Those are the questions. Who wins the prize?
0: By your reaction, you liked the uh Maya ten eight or ten seven you oh, like yeah. that one yeah. you liked um Josh Barnett versus Bigfoot whoever suggested that you liked that one mm-hmm. um and i i I'm in agreement I thought that those two were pretty good um so do you have a preference out of those two?
1: Can I see them again quickly you cannot okay um Let's go with uh, you know what. Speaking very highly of uh, of Mr. Maya this week, let's go with him with his question.
0: Oh. Okay, that's it.
1: Mr. Maya wins. Uh, one of the nice guy and a big fan of Helwani knows he wants a shirt as well. So uh, the person who asked that question wins this John Jones Championship Edition figurine courtesy of our good friends over at round five thank you so much to them. follow them on twitter twitter.com slash round five let's see if anyone this guy uh oh oh here he is you gotta love my 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 boy over at uh fight metric i was about to out him uh, Aldo versus Mendez was eight 170 or less championship fights ago. So that guy is wrong. Let this be a lesson to your Rick. You can't just throw out stats without verifying them. What is that? You know, in the TV business, that would get you fired on the spot. Not only did you lose 30 or so dollars, you're giving us wrong stats on the show.
0: I didn't give you any you wrong threw it out stats.
1: There. You threw it out there. This guy is, is ripping on the lighter weight fighters. And it's not even right. It was eight fights ago. It's not even right. This is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. We should mute your mic right now. I Done. Okay. Uh, Isaac, you can hear my music. Well, it was a very fun show. It was a little slow out of the block, as they say. But uh, we rebounded very nicely, getting uh, Anthony Pettis on the show. I really liked what he had to say. It seems a little conflicted that... That young Anthony Pettis, he's got uh, he's got two interesting options at his feet. I still think you got to go with the 155 belt, and then Duke Rufus setting it up, kind of saying Benson Henderson tripping on his feet and all that stuff. Very interesting stuff uh, going on in the UFC these days. And as I mentioned earlier, and I don't want to jinx. Uh, should I say it? No, nah, I won't say it. If you know what I'm going to say about jinxing and whatnot, you know what I was going to say. In any event, it's been a very good stretch. We get a break this week, and then next week it's Fuel TV 7. Following week, it's UFC 157 history will be made Ronda Rousey versus Liz Carmouche. We'll talk a lot about that in the weeks to come. I want to thank Anthony Pettis for stopping by. Good luck to him, and uh, well done on that suit on Saturday night. want to thank Phil Davis for stopping by and uh, Vinny Magalesh may or may not have been trying to get on while we were talking to Phil but for some reason the phones were busy and uh, we couldn't make that magic happen but maybe another time Duke Rufus, thank you so much to him, great insight from him want to thank Mike Chandler, amazing stuff out of Mike good luck in his next fight Melvin Manhoff, appreciate the time very much good luck with the Black Zillions and my good friend, my new good friend Mark Pavlich, I want to thank him for stopping by and uh, good luck with MFC 36. We will be back next week, same time and place. I want to thank all of you for listening, watching all your questions, comments. So appreciated on this side of the table. We will see you next week. Same time and place. Check it out. switcher, iTunes, all the replays, mbfight.com. We'll see you next week. Peace. I'm out